0: A word to the wise, we are an explicit podcast tackling con- Wait, this isn't my script. This week on Fade to Obsidian, they are discussing chapters 46 through 50 of Lightbringer. They recommend that you have read up until this point in the book. Please note that there will be discussions of violence, torture, death, and use of strong language. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: Welcome everybody to Fade to Obsidian. I'm Skipper, joined as always by Crescent, and joined, I think now you are officially the second most frequent guest after Salem. Welcome back, yep. Badger.
0: I'm certain that's true. Hello, hello. Thanks for joining this, us again.
1: Yeah, You're
0: always a pleasure.
2: Fourth episode Everybody
0: knows I what mean? that means. It might
2: also be, it might be my fifth. It's
1: fifth.
0: It's fourth or fifth.
1: I'm not sure yeah. which one. It's yeah. mean, two for Lightbringer.
3: Salem yeah.
1: hasn't even been on been on twice for Lightbringer. Look at you go. <laughs> well, maybe this is my my
2: treat because I was the first one in the den to finish. I think I think it was like me and one other person like neck and neck.
1: Yeah, because you stayed uh, up all night and like
2: yeah you coasted yep. through
1: for like the full got life. up
2: early, stayed up all night and went for it all bore yeah. i love it i love
3: it yeah
1: how does that compare to now the reread it was well the whole reason i did
2: that is because i wanted to have like an immersive experience and the reread has not been that and so um it's felt digestible in a different way yeah. um would probably be the biggest difference between the two, but the parts that hit still really hit. So it holds up, of course.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah. nice. Well, welcome back. Yeah, it means trauma or at least some Ish- psychological issues.
2: I feel like this time we're upping the ante from the last one a little bit. I've got, I've definitely, yeah, there's a lot <laughs> in these chapters. So
0: yeah, yeah. yeah there is.
1: Well, what are you drinking tonight or today? It's actually 3 p.m. This is one of the earliest recording sessions we've ever done.
2: Well, we needed to make sure that there was space for it. Um, yeah. uh, Woodford Reserve Double Oat. It is very good, honestly. It's warm. It's warm and very tasty. Lots of notes upon drinking. Yeah. Surprisingly delicious every time.
1: Crescent, what do you
0: have? Uh, I got a couple different ones tonight. Uh, I'm trying to catch up on my beer advent calendar. Mm. So I found two that actually fit. I've got Rabble Rouser Red. Nice. For um, And then this one, I, I like less, but still also fits. Uh, Destiny IPA.
3: Mm. nice, Nice.
1: I have um it's an earl grey cocktail so it's basically earl grey nice couple of it's other, a
0: martini uh,
1: yeah with gin so it gets both fa and his like gentlemanly tea drinking ways and i threw gin in instead of it gave you a couple options of rum um vodka well you could probably put any spirit into it but the gin works really well uh just For Cassius because it is specifically called out that there is Alpine on his breath and Daryl curses about how many different kinds of alcohol he has on the ship so I had to go gin for him um yeah so perfect that's it yeah oh Badger I just woke up from a nap and there is something happening in the den What, what is, what is this? What is this like very brief message I saw?
2: Okay. So last time we talked about the gym rat war Mm -hmm. and that being a very extensive and holistic physical challenge that we did over the course of a month. Um, And in that process, we kind of created gym rat legion. Um, But seasons change and we're no longer in fall. And I've been thinking about how to structure these types of challenges or challenges in general in the den so that they there's an ebb and a flow and some mm, breathability to them. Because not everything can be such a big effort. And I wanted to do something for January. So what I've created is called a Path to the Veil, and the purpose of the a Path to the Veil would be to become an observer, much like we're past. We just passed this part. So if you think about Darrow, on the way out to the rim, and he's getting his he's getting his body back, and he's getting his mind right, and he's integrating all the learning that he's done by writing. Um, to packs and, and that is the mind body connection that he's been missing overall. So we're going to get good at observing where we are doing little activities, seeing how those things affect and then making notes about it. And then doing that over and over, um, over the course of the month. And we'll have four different categories, environment, body. Mind, spirit, and soul. So that will include everything from rearranging a room in your house, getting rid of clutter, um, taking something to donate, up to you know meditation and things like that. And there'll be like a daily journal prompt that goes along with it. And uh, again, it's really customizable. You can check it out if you hop in the den. I'll be posting stuff on my social media at some point, but it's it's meant to be really accessible and less focused on physical, although there is a physical component.
1: Very. Cool. I like that. I like yeah. that a lot.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man.
1: Yeah. You're always so good about bringing in what you do best, but your background is as well as to a community and get it, bringing everyone together. So I'm super excited to see how the den takes this one on as well.
2: There's already 17 people signed up, and it dropped like an hour ago. So I'm say. pretty, pretty pumped. Yeah, I was
1: napping an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> nice that's
2: awesome i love that yeah den's always always down for um fun yeah fun (laughs) fun stuff fun and stuff and chaos and the thing of course is the trade-off is there's always going to be swag but also you know i think i feel like i bring it back we talked touched on this the last time we talked about the gym rat war is that live for more quality that that is throughout the books That drives all of our mains and even actually the antagonists, even though why they're living for more, we don't really (laughs) like, but you know, there's a lot of people of ideals that exist in these books. And I think that uh, people are inspired and it's fun to help guide that inspiration into healthy, um, progressive sort of self-progressive, um, outlets.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure
2: be badasses together
1: yes love it so good ellie yeah. uh, speaking of badasses the two of you are currently doing the howler project uh challenge of december which is cold water <laughs> it
3: trial is of intense
1: ice cold water trial
2: of yes ice. Yeah. yeah shout out jinx thank you jinx
0: yeah yeah i I, I needed the, the ram yeah
2: yeah I needed the push. I keep trying to do it on my own. Just being like, I'm going to incorporate cold water. And then every time I'm like, "Mm, that is really spicy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's severely uncomfortable. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
1: for sure. Well, the ongoing joke is like, I only jump, I'll jump in like a giant body of water when it's freezing cold, but I, kudos to you guys who are like standing in the shower, like, absolutely not i want to be in and out once a month and that's it preferably in like an ocean not even my sister has a cold plunge and i'm like absolutely not am i doing that so kudos to both of you guys and everyone else doing it
2: do you have a plunge or do you do shower mostly crescent
0: oh i only have a shower yeah it's just my my water uh comes through frozen ground yeah And then out of the shower head. So it comes out at like 50 degrees.
2: Yeah. I use the um, industrial piping from the YMCA. And by the time it gets to me, it's very, very, very cold. Uh, And uh, I don't know what your method is, but I just stand there and I go like that. And I try to breathe out a whole lot slowly. But
0: of course... I I basically... Stand like uh like you're in prison getting hosed down with a fire <laughs> hose. <laughs> I stand with my hands against the wall and just let the <laughs> let the water come down over my head and shoulders and, and chest and basically yeah. do the same thing. Yeah. Just try and focus on my breathing. Wow. Otherwise it gets all hitchy and
2: <laughs> Yeah. A week in <laughs> I feel like I have more control of yeah, the me exhales.
3: Too. Not yet. yeah nice nice
1: yeah no i what last january plunged myself into Ant- uh, antarctica that's how that's how dramatic i'm gonna be uh the atlantic <laughs> ocean in halifax so it was half frozen over uh and like for an ocean to freeze is something uh and the one thing i remember is like, first off it, we couldn't get deep enough so you had to lie down you're only in mm-hmm. way, a foot of water but then like breathing was the thing for like 15 minutes later I was like I still can't catch my breath Like I that's
2: still the dream breath. though I follow Cold Plunge Ca- Cam I don't know if yeah. y'all follow him but uh, you know he's often out in frozen bodies of water in wh- wherever he happens to be I forget but um, like I wish. I mean, this is like the one one reason I wish I was in a very cold environment. Just go out into nature and do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The only the only problem with that is. Getting back out is not always as easy as getting in. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and that was my thing with when I did it, it was my friend who lived in the area and had done it before wore flip flops did not tell me to wear flip-flops. So I actually think I was more concentrated on how much the stones hurt my feet than the actual cold water. Mm. And then you're trying to get out and across like rocks and it was like, and then have to run to the car. Like it was a whole, a whole thing, but yeah, I've done it also in like up in Muskoka and like Sandy beach, way better, way better. Although more mm-hmm. people watching, which is awkward. But yeah. Anyway, kudos to you guys and everyone else doing it. There's a whole group of you doing it, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yeah. I don't know how many people are are actually signed up, but
3: Yeah.
2: because I think Jinx has, has a pretty or... Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I think he has a pretty dedicated yeah. group of people that participate in his challenges.
3: Yeah. From
1: Uh, well, everybody, join the den. You can join Paths of the Veil. Vale. You can check out at what is it?
0: Trial of the it? Ice.
1: Trial of the Ice. Uh, for that one, it is in Howler Project, which is we have so many channels, but it is actually in Carver Station, which is where Fade to Obsidian lives. It's kind of where all the yep. pet
0: projects It's actually are. the next channel below Fade to Obsidian. Oh,
1: there you go. There you go. We're neighbors. We're neighbors. <laughs> we're neighbors. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to live up to my my birthright.
1: Yeah, it's true. You and you and the basic tundra over there.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and then it's I mean, actually been pretty
0: about... nice so far this year. It's. It was it's raining really on winter. Thursday.
1: It was raining here it was, today. It was
0: raining, uh, and there is no snow here. Oh, look at you go! Hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it's supposed to a warm... snow a bunch
0: this week, though. It's
1: supposed to be a warm winter.
2: mm Hmm el nino winter does that affect you guys up where you are yeah yeah
1: i don't know if it would affect crescent because it's all about the it, it, ocean so it might it will push but over less
0: but yeah. yeah it's still going to be cold here but yeah. less yeah. cold always
1: yeah exactly they uh talk about the den just to give them a shout out as i noticed while we were piling in here that cavix's more magical world they are playing D&D today so there's another thing for the den i feel like we just need to slowly like create a calendar and uh, highlight one thing a week because there's so much happening in the den and people don't even yeah. know that they, they join and they're like uh, oh there's someone who just joined and they've only been reading golden sun and they're like you guys have so many channels it's just such an active server it doesn't even matter that i haven't read the whole book and we're like exactly like come on in everybody
0: yeah well and then tomorrow as of recording we have a hobbit marathon oh, mm-hmm. yes. a hobbit <laughs> trilogy
1: yeah i won't be difficult. um I
0: can't support and that, then I it. <laughs> and then the next, next sunday after this is airing so if you're watching this next sunday is the full lord of the rings
3: extended.
1: extended
0: edition because there is no other edition um
1: what time were they starting the it was a whole
0: like 4 23 pacific time
1: yeah it was a whole debate on whether or not we were gonna actually make california wake up at 4 a.m and we were like absolutely that's the only way to yeah. get through because we actually yeah. have to make it There was a whole thing of do we plan for we need everybody to be in limber legion which would be the perfect like if we can end it and then everyone do some yoga because you've been sitting on the couch for so long or you put limber legion in the dead center so everybody is forced to pause like it was a whole debate in pegasus legion of when do we start and then at the end we're like oh no sorry california you are starting at 4 (laughs) a.m yeah
2: we can also do five minute stretch breaks in between each I I feel like that's going to be needed. Yeah. Yeah. But that's limber legion. I do den for those of you who are just tuning in and don't know this. And actually a lot of the people in the den are newish and always, there's always a revolving, um, cast of new howlers. So if you are new or if you are finding this podcast and don't know yet about the den, I, um, do a, I lead a zoom, Yoga Sundays, 7 p.m. Eastern. Very accessible. Feel free to join as a member of the Den. You only get access to the link in the Den. Uh, So there's that.
1: Yeah. yeah. So much. Something for everybody. There really is something.
0: There truly is. Uh,
1: Kudos to those who just finished NaNoWriMo. I loved seeing all of them doing that in the Den. I don't even know. I can't even call everybody out. There's
0: just so much. We got got some absolutely unreal numbers. Um, Who was it? I think Allegro uh, wrote like 55,000 words. Yep. And I think Light did pretty close to that as well.
2: And Viscera. They were all like 50
0: plus. Mm -hmm. That's insane.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Good for you guys. Yeah. I love
1: that. I love that. All right, well, shall we get into this week's chapters? Get into the trauma before we all finish we our strengths. Um, it <laughs> is chapters 46 to 50, which is some meaty, meaty chapters. Uh, and it is just Darrow and Lysander's point of views. So we are going to break it up. We discussed this before. We're going to break it up so that it's Lysander First, we can get into some...
0: Get him out of the way.
1: Get him out of the way. But, like, also it's really, like...
0: There's a oh, much... There's definitely a lot there's of stuff so in this chapter. Much. But...
1: but he is... What was... We said this during, I think, Iron Gold, that Lysander He's a window
0: is... to the more interesting characters. Exactly.
1: And so we're going to get Atlas. We're going to get... Fa... Um, we're, we get Rhone's point of view. Uh, yeah, Rhone's
0: point yeah. of view. Which yeah, we get a little bit of background on Rhone. Uh,
1: so there's really interesting other characters that we're getting via Lysander. And I think this is one of, since Iron, like, in Iron Gold, it didn't feel like Lysander was in control of his life. Cassius was in control of Lysander's life. Dark Age in the beginning of Lightbringer. Lysander kind of takes that back, but we're back of, like, (laughs) Lysander is just... Not
0: anymore.
1: Yep. He is just a poor boy who uh, everybody is going to, (laughs) like, work around. Um, But, yeah, and then uh, we'll follow up after with our favorite crew of misfits. And, And they've got a whole bunch of stuff to work through. Literally physically at one point in this, uh, but definitely yep. mentally as well. Well, physically because of the mentally, I would say, but uh, yeah, it's
0: manifesting. So,
1: exactly. And uh, so let's dive in with Lysander waking up after learning that, you know, he is now
2: you just I said didn't... he's a poor boy, and now I can't not track him a little bit with um, Bohemian Rhapsody. I know, even
1: as I was Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, he's not from a poor family, but nobody's. Yeah, it kind his of breaks life. down in
0: the first line.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, yes, <laughs> his life from this monstrosity. In his mind, he fits exactly into that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's he's waking up and he's... Uh, well, he wakes up to Ron, right? Like, that's a, the immediate what we get. Is that correct? Or is there something before that? Mm-hmm.
2: Which said, is yeah, coming right... I mean, starting with him here works well because of where his POV leaves off. Kind of high stakes moment. Yeah. Very much divested of any agency at the hands of Atlas and his ilk. Yeah. Um. The Greys, have until now felt amorphous in a in a um, in an interesting, like we talked about last time with Rat Legion in a way that leaves space to be interesting and cultivate the imagination. So now we get into Roan's backstory and it is fascinating to me. I um, have a lot of respect for Roan. I have had a lot of respect for Roan as a character, a supporting character, even though he's on the wrong side of things. Um, and here we find he's on the wrong side of things a couple times ever. Mm-hmm. But as a foil to like Holiday, I find him very interesting. Like the gray foil to Holiday.
1: Yeah. That's a
2: good call out.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly I've... as loyal, but for worse reasons. Mm-hmm. For
1: sure. But having, at this point, we found out loss on both sides. Holiday, obviously, with Trigg. um, And then he's got, I didn't do the math, but starts with 100. They lose, I think, 46 or 64. I forget if it's one way or the other, down to 12. Like, massive loss of what they call the kennel.
3: And mm-hmm.
1: they're then, you know, how each of them takes out, that out of... Holiday then fully devotes herself to the cause for, it seems like, the greater good. We don't really ever get Holiday's take on why she's doing it, but we can infer that. Rather than Roan, like, very much still has a selfishness to it, if you want to call it that. But within reason, like, you've lost that much... Uh, and wants vengeance comes with all of this with a hatred of the raw because you're who caused it. And um, so a very interesting point of view of that of why and I would I would say understandable. I mean, not excusable, but understandable, uh, which is very interesting.
2: The so there's opportunities here and there. Rat Legion, like we talked about last time, is one of them where we get to see other colors in somewhat ascendant roles and qualities in a world that is otherwise made for gold Uh, also sometimes you can see that with the blues um and you can see that with the reds and their draken but here the anecdote that all 100 of his century um made it were elite enough to be selected for the praetorian guard um was I mean it's, it's written to be impressive. That's impressive. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, because he originally says like, you know, a typical kennel would have maybe five go to the guard. Yeah like
3: mm-hmm.
0: that's wild.
2: Mm-hmm. N- never happened before and it will never happen again.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: And of that only Marcus and Drusilla and he are left. Right. So, like, in theory, even though, of course, those ludist relationships would be always significant to some degree because of the shared experience. Um, so the Greys would have that kind of camaraderie when they come into contact with each other, regardless of where they then go on. But that shared experience continued for decades before... They were starting. They started to get picked off, and so yeah. It, I mean, it's vengeance, not not the prettiest of human motivations, but certainly a very understandable one. Yep.
0: Yep. The um, Roan's century is the Canadians. The... Whole bunch of people that knew each other really well oh, got thrown into war. war.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then. You do crazy things when it is your childhood best friend who is being killed. Yep. It's where the war crimes happen, for sure. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I was just thinking yeah. you use the word vengeance looking at this because we know the other person who's out for vengeance is Victra. And how us as the reader, you know, look at Victra and go, hells yeah, get it. And then look at Roan and kind of our immediate thing is like, oh, you did that? Like you sided with, and just that little bit, um, which I think gets back to, we had the discussion with Philip from Hale Reaper of reading as a howler versus a removed person, like as an observer. And I think for me, just as we are reflecting in this moment, I think that's that's a moment that it's Victra, I want to get vengeance. Roan, actually, I won't lie, I'm kind of happy, because in my mind, this fucks up everything for the golds, right? Like, Lysander is now screwed. We can dig into that later when we learn Atlas's full plan. But either way, I think we look at this and go, Roan, what have you done? And why is that, why is our reaction different? Is it because we've known Victor for so long and seen her pain versus Roan we're just hearing about it now
2: I find a lot of latitude for myself in everybody but Lysander yeah <laughs> and and like the grimaces the grimaces yeah. also can kind of fuck off except for um OG Aja. grimace Aja she yeah. she gets yeah. a pass right. but um when it comes to Roan and Thaw and Atlas, they, their motivations, their viewpoints and ideals as a counterpoint or maybe balance point or to Lysander and Atlantia's, um, I find them fascinating. And we'll get into that in a second more because I have a lot to say as Atlas reveals his plans and his motivations, but um Brown kinda gets a pass from me here. And yeah, in I can particularly like appreciate and have what Schaden I don't know. Let's say it or is it Schadenfreude duh? at at the end
0: we'll have to ask one of our German
2: (laughs) truck and help help. yeah Yeah. (laughs) um anyways uh at at the fact that lysander got poisoned by him (laughs) and he took kyber out of play which i find actually interesting too. like You know, again, Pierce uses the Chekhov's gun philosophy very liberally, where he will put something into play. It might not be significant in the moment, but normally it will come back around and be, it was very intentional. So Kyber being noted as like, Kyber is not one of them. Kyber is super badass and scary. Kyber got taken out by one of them. You know, I feel like that is going, she, she will probably factor in. That's my guess is that she'll factor in more significantly later on.
3: Yeah.
2: And I'm not looking forward to it.
1: She'll be out for vengeance. Yeah.
0: Great. Yep.
1: Great. But also you say that. check out Of when we Oh, I can't, of-
0: I can't even say that.
1: Nope. No, no. no. You stop.
0: No, we're good. Um, I'm, I, uh, I checked myself already. I'm not going to wreck nothing.
1: Um, The wolf cloak. Or not the wolf cloak, I just in my head yeah. just instinctually think everything is a wolf cloak. The cloak uh, that, you know, is given to the Red and then given back. And it's noted at that point how weak the Red is handing back because the poison would have been on the cloak. And given, like, if, if it's taking that long for, or not even that long, it doesn't take that long for a gold to hit. You know that the Red's DNA is not holding it so you know he probably passed away moments after that and so even that you know pierce pierce revealing the cloak ceremony if you will and how it's returned of you know this red looks feeble kind of a thing like that alone is pierce is always yeah five steps ahead of us that the rest of us probably went okay there's so many ceremonies happening in here why do i care about that and then you discover that that's actually very essential
0: yeah well and then like definitely in the moment you're like ah yeah typical lysander looks at the red and is like oh yes he's sickly and frail
3: yeah Mm yep
1: yeah yeah
0: not seeing foreshadowing
1: no not seeing foreshadowing not thinking of like can I take care of you? Like, go, have you seen the medic Lysander's was like, okay, hey, great. Thanks. Bye. Rather than if it was, I feel like on the side of the Republic, even if, you know, that cloak was given to Mustang, she would probably make some comment about like, or like, I, if it's her POV, I feel like we'd get something along the lines of, I ensure a yellow follows up, <laughs> right? Like, it's just, yeah, I, like, yeah. He looks sickly pale. I also feel like Mustang would that, leave
0: the cloak with him. I'm like you've, that's earned, true. It, you've you earned, earned it, buddy. You keep it's it.
1: It's yours now. Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. is very true. Wouldn't take it back. Yeah. So it kind of reeks of a whole bunch of Lysander's downfall and stupidity of things. It's great. It's great. We love it.
2: I'm feeling I'd a moment right book. now as we're we're dissecting this particular piece and also this that whole scene was in the segment that we did last time. I just feel like we're getting really good at uh, analyzing Pierce's writing style. <laughs> <laughs> We've got your number, man. We're yeah. on to
0: you. <laughs> Pierce, is that a reference? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's what I think I'm going to release on Christmas Eve, is I'm going to go through and uh, release everything as a Christmas present to everyone. Every time we say, is that a reference? <laughs> Just go through all <laughs> the Oh,
0: way. that's a monumental <laughs> undertaking. I
1: know. We'll see. I keep saying I'm going to do all the bottle licks, and I haven't done it, so nobody nobody hold me to anything. But
2: The bottle licks would be harder. You can at least analyze the yeah. dialogue with AI these days. You
1: can. I know of one of our fellow podcasts that uses a thing that takes out every uh one two three clap so that they can start and end so uh percent, i could just run it through and find every time we go is that a reference mm-hmm. uh, but uh yeah uh, mm-hmm. as you say we're getting we're on to you pierce
2: i like so then they so they take, um, Rone takes Lysander back to Atlas, and on the way, they're talking about the ship and how it's off of the books, entirely off of the books. The Leith and the Sticks. You know, everybody thought that he was going to be on the Sticks, but really he's on this other ship that nobody even knows about. Mm-hmm. but is, the man is mysterious in so many ways
1: yeah i kind of have a villainous crush on atlas at this point he's a it's all the ross man
2: all the yeah. ross are daddy he's Ros. evil daddy he's, he's so evil, daddy. evil daddy
0: yeah he's, he's daddy with twirly mustache <laughs> <He's
1: just laughs> a genius That like, I just want to dissect his mind and like, I know it probably has psychopathic tendencies and I don't know, well, they say that psychopaths are very charming a lot of the time and like, you look at Ted Bundy and a few of those and like, that's what this is giving me of like, you would be the person at a party that I want to just sit and talk to. Like, just the mastermind. And playing everybody of Atlantia, his own family, Fa, like, how many different, all kind of, like, against Octavia. And I like that Lysander notes at one point of he wouldn't be, I forget if it's he either wouldn't be telling me or he wouldn't, like, have me roaming around if I could do anything about it. Because Atlas Mm -hmm. is like, nah, but like, you're fucked. You're here. You're stuck. Yeah, with, you're going to do whatever I want. You're done.
0: There, there isn't, there's no monologue where you can somehow manage to wiggle out of it. Yeah. Like Lysander talks about, you know, he's been, He basically he's been playing 4D chess for 12 years. Yeah. Why did it just pop up a, a bubble <laughs> thumb? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: This is what new... the fuck? <laughs> it's wild.
1: What if I do this? What if I do this? Anybody? Is this? No? Is this the new Discord app? I don't know. Oh my god, this is so funny. No, I don't think like it works mm. for me. I wonder it's if that's just on. Just the on, mobile. The, on mobile. It's my. I think it's
2: my. I've enabled it on my iPhone, oh, and okay. it transcends every single video. This is great. Whack. I know. <laughs> um, wait, wait, there was one. Can I do this? No? I thought I did this the other day and I, it, went, it made it hard. Anyways. Um, so I think I said this last time referencing the blue wig scene. And there was another reference in Dark Age 2 with Atlas that really gave me Hannibal Lecter vibes, but now we're getting into him like lit- or Buffalo Buffalo Bill slash Hannibal Lecter slash Moriarty. Like I feel like he's a mashup of all of these like really mastermindy type. Yeah, uh, well, Buffalo Bill's right. not really mastermind, but you know. Anyways, yeah, I yeah. Under and Now creepy. we now we literally have him wearing uh, somebody else's skin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So
1: him- yeah. oh, I didn't even make that connection of like the skin suit in Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, and can we talk he- about how at the beginning of this Helios is still alive? They are keeping him alive yeah. in case they need him for something. And then Yeah, they're
0: they're literally killed. jacked into his brain.
1: Yeah. 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 It's like- it's um unsavory.
2: Yeah. Yes, yeah. Very unsavory. Um yes, I have a note. It says, Damn Helios was alive that whole time.
1: Yeah. And just kind of like chilling in the bed next to them until like nope. And like A wreck. Atlas's arms are just like in a fish tank. (laughs) Look. Yep.
0: They're just floating.
2: Yeah, he's got a stub, stub for an arm. Both
0: Um, of them. Yeah. Yeah. So what what are we like here? Yeah, that's about what I was imagining. Is he he this one armed or is it the other arm? Tell me when to stop.
1: (laughs) Nah, it's the other arm. It's the other arm. (laughs) Everybody go on. I don't even know what episode of Community that was in. It says from the elbows down.
0: Yeah, season three, episode 18. Look at him go. It's the riot episode. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. The Greendale riot episode
1: um yeah yeah so elbows down that would make sense because i feel like it's so much harder yeah he needed to he needed the how many tissues
2: yeah in the cesta. Yeah. yeah
3: um
2: up until this point i was a little bit the, in the first read through i was a little bit unsure whether like i knew atlas and fa had a relationship and it felt to me as though atlas was Seemed like okay. Atlas is pulling the strings here. I think we have pieced all of that together. Um, but specifically, I noted that okay, this is where it becomes very clear that when they're referring to the All Father, it's Atlas.
1: Yeah. It's oh, yeah. not
2: amorphous. It's not Foz. Fa- not the All Father. It is Atlas. Is a godlike figure to this new order of. Obsidian slash commodity warriors That they've created The Volk, yeah. etc
1: For sure Yeah, very interesting Of, how, I mean I'm, To say even that like, yes. Yeah, so he's playing the Job of a god But he's doing it so well And creating a world And a society amongst them That he basically Is a god Like if you think of You know quintessential, let's, Zeus, or, you know, even Christian uh, Judaism God of like that creationist kind of that mentality. He has created for them these lives. He has created for them everything that they can go forth and do. He's pulling the strings in these behavioralist things that you look at mythology and what he is able to accomplish is on the level of different myths and legends. Like, he is basically being their god. He just happens to be a mortal one.
2: He, as as a single person, has more effectively pulled that off, pulled that wool over the obsidian's head than the entire gold society did as we saw in uh, the original uh, yeah gold yeah. no uh, morning star yeah, when they go when mm-hmm. they go to visit yeah. uh, the Obsidians. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, very fascinating. Uh, and how thought through his plan is, but I really like where it came from. And especially Lysander calls out of, like, you hate your family this much. And he's like, this is not personal. Like, this is so above all that. And where the plan came from and why it needs to be executed in the way that it does is very interesting to me. Um, there is, I would say, a little bit, use the word Vengeance uh against octavia of you sent me away you sent where we can't i would love to know the amount of times they say that you can't see the sun because that seems to be a reoccurring theme in all of this of in the rim you can't well it's not even like he's past that but you can't see the sun uh and so that little bit that's got to get to you you're lacking that vitamin d so badly um, we know that's where you
2: know, people make bad choices when they're that deficient in vitamin D.
1: Listen, we mm-hmm. live in Canada and you're supposed to have special <laughs> vitamin D lamps. Never mind if you're out like past the rim. Like, yeah, you gotta get that vitamin D. But it's very thought thought through every link and you know to the point of there is a lysander doppelganger because there, you know, Atalantia sees it as needing her paramour, as you will, uh, needs Lysander in that capacity. But Atlas knows that it should not be Atlantia on the uh, morning chair. It should be Lysander, but he needs a Lysander he can control. Uh, and it just, I don't know, the whole thing is just fascinating. This
2: whole chapter is actually just... Okay, so from that point that you start at where he's asked, hey, you think this is personal? You think some petty vengeance repayment for, you know, and then he goes on and he whacks really poetic about (laughs) his family right there in a very poignant way. And then so you see all of a sudden he's, you know, a sociopath doesn't have that kind of connection with people. So then the, that for me kind of dispels that, because up until now I'm tracking with you, know, I'm thinking, okay, this man is like a kingmaker from the vantage point of wanting to manipulate for the sake of manipulating. But here we see the beginnings like, okay, that this flies in the face of that train of thought um and then he goes on to talk about how much he believes in the society and um it is really stands the best chance for the betterment of humankind he talks about that term where is it autophagy right and when he starts talking about the autophagy Civilization is not a clever system. It is stupid, and artificial, unsustainable project of man's hubris. I mean, come on. He's not fucking wrong. I say these, these kinds of things all of the time. Like, where else in the natural order of things do do we fight against uh, attrition and turnover over and change systems in nature don't stand for forever. They always eventually fall. Things get built back from the pieces. Nothing in the long term. Nothing lasts for forever. Hubris is a huge theme in Dune, and uh, this is where I feel like Atlas brings a lot of like Herbert Dune stuff yeah. into the dialogue here, and um, and so. This man truly believes, and I want to know why, why does he think that a a society-based system, a, a, a hierarchical, color-based system is the path forward?
1: Yeah. What's yeah.
2: his why? I don't know. He's too smart for me. hmm Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: I want to know why, though. I'm very curious. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess he's he's looking at maybe some of the inherent predispositions of humanity and, and thinking, okay, well, gold has been created to um, mitigate those tendencies at a dispassionate remove- and that is the only way forward. But so it's like in this case, why isn't everybody gold?
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: I don't know. So, very, very interesting person. Probably a top favorite person for me in the whole series, despite the fact he's that he's an antagonist.
1: Yeah, he. I. He feels at this point like the big baddie. Uh-huh. Like, you look at mm-hmm. all the villains. Atlantia and this, like, she's off fucking wherever. And you thought she was going to be the big baddie. That, like, yeah, Lysander's there. Um, Abomination is kicking around who knows where, but out there somewhere. There's a couple other, you know, maybe playing their strings... What is Julia O'Bologna's big plan? Who knows? But I think like, especially when Dark Age ends and the parts previous to this one, you look at Atlantia as the big baddie. And this is the part that you're like, oh, it's Atlas. Atlas is the big baddie of this book. Like he's the one who's actually pulling the strings and making Atlantia think it's her getting the trust of all these other people though i i would love to know if julia Albalona actually trusts in any capacity or if she's just for so long watched him from afar being like the fuck is happening there or if he just flies under everybody's radar of like oh it's just atlantia's little you know what's the word minion
0: yeah i would venture to guess that very few people, like, actually trust Atlas. Yeah. Like, that seems like a, a very dangerous thing.
2: Yeah. If if he shared, I wonder how many people he's actually shared, like, his bigger picture with. Because, again, you know, he goes on about the autophagy, but then, and then there's, like, a interlude before he gets to the point of it all and the point of it all is we can't be divided which is i guess um that kind of goes into like dark forest theory if you're not one of us you're a threat kind of a yeah. thing too much um too many differences in culture and
3: yeah. mm,
2: identity will lead to a, a ult- ultimately um, war and uh, and or weakness, and for humanity's sake, there has to be a united front.
3: Yeah.
2: but I, I question that. so you know, in the sense that diversity is important again, looking at nature. So he's looking at nature in terms of, um systems and failures of systems as the order of the day and and then what is interesting to me is like he almost contradicts himself because um like monocrops monoliths of systems oftentimes are the weakest
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and most subject to catastrophic unpredictable failure black swan events um people want to read about that um it's a uh, nicholas Nassim taleb really get great um kind of theory of the um, of the tails on the district belt curve the distribution normal distribution system like those not predictable events because they're so far outside of the norm right like so a united humanity where it's completely uh homogenous between the inner planets and the rim would, in theory, be more susceptible to those black swan events, which are the ones you can't plan for. You can plan all around the center of the normal distribution, but you can't plan for the shit on the sides. Yeah. And the only way to plan for the shit on the side of the bell curve is to be diverse. Yeah. Interesting. Who has degrees in this shit? Somebody come and make yourself known and let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. There are people who have degrees in these things. Come read this book and let us know what you think. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah. Yeah, we need some We should do a whole like series after between Lightbringer and Red God of like or even after Red God, depending on where we sit on all of this of like bring the expert on explain to us some of these so if you have a phd in anything or even masters or just bachelor or you just you know know a lot of sources hit us up and we will uh send that out this is a good moment to uh note that last week i started a google doc for anyone who wants to come on the show between lightbringer and red god and discuss any relationship Mm. or spaceship um so you can fill in there's already one that i won't say who or what it is but i read it at 3 a.m because that's when i wake up for work and it was so fascinating to me because it is a relationship between darrow and basically a mentality that he has Mm. i don't know maybe yep Philosophy is the better
0: word.
1: I, it's it's a good one. I
0: have yeah. I have heard what it is and uh, it is it is a very good one. Yeah. Ooh.
1: So um you Red want Wing to- Oh
2: Red Wing. reach out to Red Wing if you want to like dive into how the uh, Red Rising Universe and the culture within the Red Rising Universe, either Republic or society. Could Future Proof itself against uh, like black swan events and and major catastrophes. Um, I know he has like, he has extensive disaster training. So, um, he would be a really good, really good person. I know he actually has read, um, and uses that book that I was mentioning, um, extensively in, in his course work when he's studying stuff. So
1: yeah, he's mentioned coming, wanting to come on. He's one of our Patreons, so for sure um
3: mm-hmm.
1: but yeah anyone who if you're seeing this right now uh, you have to join the den because i don't want the google doc going out into the <laughs> too far into Why the world or nervous? else i feel like we're gonna end up with some interesting things uh but if you're in the den you can find the google doc and let us know what topic you want to talk about between lightbringer and red god because uh, yeah there's some interesting things out there and this is this is the time to do it um, overanalyze. And then, you know, when Red God comes back, maybe we bring you back and we talk about how that all played out or, you know, if anything changes. So, um, yeah, join the Den, uh, and, uh, if you join our Patreon, you do get priority. Uh, we will pick you over other people if, cause I feel like everyone's going to be like, I want to talk Darrow and Mustang. First off, that one is given to Salem. Don't go with that one. But if you want to talk Severo <laughs> in Victra, your best bet is to join the Patreon and you will be pushed up the line for that. Um, but yeah, totally back on track here. Uh, what you're saying, like the whole idea, the mentality of getting rid of the rim in order to control. And also like you look at what they've, the rim has done in the last 12 years of technically how many times have they flipped sides? Like they claim to be the definition of honor. And they do like, they have to do what is right for themselves, but they're such a liability that the core should not trust them a hundred percent. If it takes all it takes is like Darrow being like, Hey, Look, I am, in fact, a red, but I can offer you this. And they flip. And, like, I get it why you would want the whole Raw family eradicated, even though he is Raw. Yeah.
2: Do um, I find myself feeling... This is the beginning of where I feel start to feel bad for Lysander. I won't right. say how that progresses or doesn't progress over time. But I will say in this segment, I have a sense for Lysander. Cause we talked about, Oh, you know, Diomedes is his buddy. Like is one of, he's one of the few people that Lysander actually respects and wants approval from. And, um, and so, you know, I'm, at this point in my reading, I'm still thinking to myself, I hate the idea of a Lysander Redemption arc very, very much. But, wow. The lack of agency that he has had in his entire life feels really tragic. Yep. Maybe the one and only time that I feel like this is the beginning, the of me saying, "Okay, this I can see the tragedy of this person's life, that he thinks he's gonna pick up a scalpel
1: <laughs>
2: against mm. Atlas.
1: That's one of my poor fool. It like you think a child, he... like with the butter I'm, knife, and then I'm the, honestly
0: yeah. wondering if he could have done it. Atlas doesn't have hands; he nope. barely got yeah, eyes. But then what are you gonna nope. do
1: after that? You were on like I don't think Atlas is gonna be the one mm. who takes you down, but." where do you go bud but what movie is that where the person steals the butter knife and then it pirates of the caribbean elizabeth swan takes the butter knife and this is what i'm picturing is this a reference (laughs) pierce but she gets away with right? she's got that she's chasing barbosa around the table and then stabs him and that's when she discovers he's a skeleton and immortal and like his comment to her was like what's your next move like, okay, so you killed the captain with a butter knife. Like, what is the next move? So you take down Atlas with a scalpel. You already know that Roan's not on your side. So what the fuck's your next move, bud? Which we do learn that he does not put the scalpel back down. When I say, yeah. like, no, I will be keeping the scalpel. Thank you very it's much. It's like, like his safety
2: blanket. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: He also, for the second
2: time, I think there's a, um, I think it's in Dark Age. It could be earlier in this book, but I think at one another point in time. No, I think it is in Dark Age when he gets brought into Atlas and he yeah, talks about geez. Gaia. Right? He, he talks about Gaia there and he tries to, like, because I, I have a theory that he's got, like, major mm. mom, mommy issues and there's a couple, like, there's Several points where he either acts like somebody his is his mother, like Mustang, or um, latches onto a mother bond with somebody else. One of an example of that would be Gaia and um, and Atlas. Yeah. And this is the second time he tries to like use Gaia. As like a wedge or some leverage point, uh psychological leverage point with Atlas and Atlas is like no. no.
0: So between yeah, that, uh,
2: that rebuff <clears throat> and the scalpel. Sorry, Crescent, go
0: for yeah, it. Yeah, the, the the first time he does is in the cave after being tortured. Um mm-hmm. So, yes, absolutely in Dark Age. Yeah. Um and basically both times basically uh atlas is like you know the first time he's like stop stop using the mind's eye on me unless you want me to use it right back and then this time it's like he's already using the mind's eye he's like i know about the scalpel like stop stop it yeah
1: which is interesting we did have the discussion during dark age of the mind's eye and how many people have it we know apollonius wants it during dark age
3: but we learn mm-hmm. in this
1: part of how much time atlas is spent in the vaults um i think this comes yep. later in this chapter piece but he knows he's read through all of octavia so it now pieces together why he's been training himself for years in the mind's eye probably because of being in octavia's vaults uh but yeah that's a good good call out of the two correlation of atlas being three steps ahead of him of like but what are you doing like you think that's going to work
2: yeah i think that was my section in
0: dark age too (laughs)
1: look at all of the like mirrored yeah
0: you're our atlas expert Yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm here for
2: it that man um has my utmost respect even though I don't think I actually agree with him. Mm -hmm. I understand the logic system that he's built very, very well. Yeah. What else do I have? The idea of Lysander as the savior of the Rim. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the fact that that Lysander suspects him of of being so powerful again like he's in Lysander's head so much that Lysander's like oh my god did you make it so that we found that
3: yes yes
2: Yeah. That,
0: did like... you did you make make it so he stumbled upon the Vindabona yeah like, did you mean for me to find Seraphina? like bruh
1: <laughs> but that's <Atlas laughs> is wild kind of... Whole thing of like and it calls out at some point of the man that everyone fears and therefore thinks is on every planet right because everyone for years has been like what the fuck is atlas doing so is he on mercury is he on mars is he in the rim is he on venus jupiter can you have- you can't actually be on jupiter fine a moon of jupiter
3: <laughs> like well
0: you, the- you could you could be on jupiter but like you're mostly just inside Jupiter.
3: No, he's just cool, the storm on,
2: me. <laughs> on Jupiter. He's the yeah. He's um he's everybody's boogeyman. He's the kind of guy that barks and everybody goes, Oh. <laughs> yeah. no. He's cool. Good job, Pierce. Great bad guy.
3: Great yeah, bad real. guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that Atlas has the clearest read on Lysander and Lysander's motivations of any other character, of maybe even Lysander himself.
0: What do you guys think about that? Oh, 100% agree, 100% agree. Yeah, yeah. Lysander's floundering at this point, like he thinks he knows what he's doing. (laughs) Uh
1: But I mean, as we say, like Atlas wouldn't let Lysander just be wandering around knowing the plan, do it like carrying a scalpel and Atlas was like 100% like you're not doing shit all and therefore that means that he can read Lysander in the next 10 steps like there's no way you can think your way out of this yeah it's like he he talks about Lysander has his morals and so Mm -hmm. that probably is what holds him back there's somebody else out there um I can't put a name to whoever that if they're don't have the morals are not Atlas. Isn't going to trust them as much of like, Hmm, you might actually have ish take issue with doing this, this, and this. Lysander's not going to do those things because he wants to stay morally superior through all of this.
2: Right. He's like, so, okay. Is he just a kingmaker or is he a puppeteer? Like, What is actually, like, what role does Atlas see himself as having once all of the actual, like, pieces are in place? You know, he wants, he sees a more viable society at this stage because he sees Lysander's uh, morality placing inhibitions on him that for Atalantia would not exist and therefore more chaos, more disorder, mm, greater cost, like, economically in the long term would play out if Atalantia were to be the, the more ascendant uh, ruler of the society. And so he sees pragmatically that Nysander and his particular bouquet of characters are the, the, the better fit for Atlas's longer. Yeah. But like what what happens, what happens to Atlas? After Lysander is in place,
1: well, and it I seems almost think, like I was gonna say. I'm go, thinking long term of that. Of where does he, you know, even after Lysander, like, does he have a plan for how this society, how this setup works, long term? because Ajax is gone. So there is literally no raw after this. It would have to be Lysander. Does he trust that Lysander is going to carry out the plan to his children, to wherever? And you would think Atlas has thought enough through that this isn't going to be a one and done. We're not just changing the society so that, you know, because that's the problem with a lot of dictators. It's a problem with a lot of, I think, movements in general for good or for bad that you have Okay, hey, we've hit this great society for this person. But the moment there is a power vacuum, the moment there's a power struggle, any type of that one leader, die, he's, he's mortal. What happens long term is the thing that I keep thinking of. Of, like, that's great you're putting it in. What stops this from going back to how it was?
2: When jumping ahead a little bit, which we're at the end of that one chapter, I think, yeah, I mean, it goes into chapter 49, kind of seamlessly. It goes a little middle chapter 49, but it seems like Atlas is going to, like, recuse himself because he's talking about, like, meeting Fa out.
1: Yeah
0: for
3: drinks
2: pegasus ranch yeah Yeah. oh my gosh they're basically gonna go to wyoming or saskatchewan (laughs) and uh montana yeah montana basically that's hilarious
1: yeah Hmm. yeah that's my thing of like what happens i mean and that's the whole thing i think why we get morning star and then to iron gold. Okay. So you've broken the society. We've made it better in this moment is the end of Morningstar. And the idea Mm. of iron gold is that can't last. Exactly. So we've plunged ourselves into war. Okay. So let's say that the rim is gone. The Republic is gone. The core, what, what is keeping them? We know that they are not aligned in the capacity let's say that they all do in the same way under Octavia they somewhat got together but when is the next Augustus versus Bologna battle break out? right like that was what Daryl was mm-hmm. able to mm-hmm. dissect and I don't know what the word is blow leverage. up yeah leverage yeah. Is a gold on gold and that's all it takes is this very small, these two families fighting for it all to blow up again. And it had nothing to do with the rim. It had nothing to do with... Right? Like, So it's like, Atlas, what's -hmm. what's the long term, the 100 year out plan?
0: Well, like Atlas even calls it out. He's like, you know, do this horrible shit now. And... There will be peace until the end of your life, basically. Like you will not not see conflict again until the end of your life, and I—that's basically the same question. Is like, then what? Yeah. Then it implodes again.
1: But okay,
2: historically, does that even hold up? Because you look at like post World War One Germany. Mm-hmm. Yep. They rallied real quick. Yep did they just not are we just to assume they just didn't get their asses handed to them hard enough because Mm -hmm. trauma apparently directly correlates and therefore is causal to whether or not uh, somebody decides to have a rebellion I don't buy yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: maybe Uh, Atlas doesn't understand the world as well as he thinks he does
2: it's interesting because again yeah, like his framework is great. His um how he gets to the conclusions that he gets to, the things that he looks to as inspiration make a ton of sense. But and it's the same thing with Lysander, that and it's dangerous and it has always been a dangerous part of humanity. If you start from a bad premise. It can follow a beautiful progression of logic and still end up being not correct, yeah. not not true, and bad, ultimately.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, we can theorize all day, but we'll never. We'll never know. Or we might in Red God, but we'll never know. Mm-hmm.
2: And... Um, These are the conversations that I... One day when we're all old and grey and Pierce's part of the Howler's Den and we're all just hanging out around our scotches and bourbons and discussing the things that we want to know. So what was Atlas actually thinking?
1: Yeah. I love it. Well, should we move on to the next piece of Atlas is we get... To we get first, which is really cool because I think up to this point, the obsidian has been this race of people that like barely speak common, it's always in these like blunt statements, like as if it's their second language, they're fresh off the ice. Or you get the Eskimani that we know are like reptilian, like you, they always Mm. seem to be the ones that are portrayed as lesser, even than the reds. The reds at least can be eloquently spoken. We know that the hell divers can do math, like nobody's business. Like, but the Eskimani is just a force, like brute strength. And we suddenly get these characters that have like, sitting around thinking worldly thoughts and like, down with their feelings and oh yes I was there and like feels like sitting around with your grandparents friends is the vibe I was getting (laughs) off
3: of them
1: like let's just oh yes him right like it's a little bit of like judgment of people a little bit of gossip circle of like ooh, where's this and like you know but at the same time has that like worldly statement i've seen things like it feels to me like your grandparents friends is who now are our obsidian like leaders like very interesting to me that to me was absolutely mind-blowing the first time i read it of like these these are what obsidian could be because it's not the Ragnar even Ragnar our favorite character was blunt chocolate right like I'm thinking the chocolate bar like fight mm-hmm. right like it's just these mm-hmm. statements that you knew there was a brain behind it but it didn't come out and now we have these like scholarly like as if they went to Oxford learned socialites almost yeah. yeah yeah like super interesting um,
2: yeah, so this chapter on the whole, what do you, where would you guys place it as like a top, uh, for me, you know, it's probably top three surprise of the whole series, top three <laughs> unveil, like, what the fuck moment, uh, thoughts, what where does it, fit for you? what the fall moment, oh, Crescent, <laughs> so good, <laughs> nice. Where, where's it up there is it up there for you guys like oh for what sure. would you rank
0: reveals yeah yeah like ooh there's a lot of reveals in a short
1: amount of time in this like we're not even this isn't even fa has shown up all we're getting right now is his like underlings never mm-hmm. mind when he shows up and you get that he's been using the like taser yeah voice the voice thing. modulator <laughs> and then he like is a well spoken like Englishman. Like it sounds like he's like in the upper courts and like could be talking to kings and like, been hilarious.
0: Yeah. I love I know, that. Go for it. That whole, that whole. Uh, <laughs> for everybody listening on audio, uh, Badger's got like a thought bubble that's uh, thumbs up occasionally, just seems <laughs> like insane. at random.
2: And it yeah, to you can't thumbs, use your so. thumb
0: anymore. <laughs> just keep <Sorry>. it tucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, the thumbs
2: of great power.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a like that whole like the whole kin shield thing yeah. is like for sure top five reveal for me. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just I- so. It's so not what's expected.
2: No. I was delighted. Right, like, like the yeah. only word I can think of is like, oh, and I was like, it's like, yeah, just so. You're, you're
0: Raymond Holt eating a marshmallow.
2: Yeah, I mean, what? Oh, look at the novelty and the delight of this. How ama- Like, wow. um Just because it's it was so unexpected, so thoroughly unexpected. I mean. Fa is over here uh, portrayed as the Shrike from Hyperion Cantos, with his giant uh, thorn suit that he wears, impaling people on it as he moves throughout his conquests. Just a beast of terror, blood people all over the place. And like,
3: you know, couldn't
2: be a more dapper of a gentleman right? Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's wearing seersucker. He's give he's giving three pizza suits with cravats. I mean, like, come on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I also like that, uh, he comes in and, and he's still got the voice modulator on <laughs> and Atlas is like, take that shit off. You sound insane. Yeah.
2: Hard to enunciate with this thing on.
0: Yeah. With this baritone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. But can we give it up? for um tim gerard reynolds for
0: yeah yeah Yeah, his fa voice is crazy
1: okay so legit
2: the first time i was listening to that i had just finished up reading a moss flower book to my son out loud and they have a lot of different characters and i had chosen to give like the big bad character a (laughs) like level of of narration and it was really hard for my throat. And so I was just thinking to myself when I was hearing Fa's voice, I was like, oh my God, that's so unsustainable. How is he going to do that?
3: So
1: it turns out he wasn't. (laughs) He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. That's so funny. Yeah. In a kimono. In a kimono. You know he's the most comfortable of all time
3: like
1: yeah yeah and i yeah i just you know it's not who you in any capacity so you get the reveal that atlas is puppet master here but then you get the reveal that he might not actually because what's his real name It's wagner wagner Wagner. Wagner. wagner
0: wagner hefka
1: wagner is like Totally in on the plan, understands what's happening. He's not really being
0: played. Yeah, he is. He, just he is a true believer.
1: Yeah. yeah, and and then even when they're like, "Hey, we're gonna cut your reign short. Lysander's gonna take over," kind of a thing. He's like over the moon, and he just wants to like retire. Yeah, Li-
0: yeah. Lysander's like, what? What's his reaction gonna be like? He's expecting him to just be like irate, and he's like. Oh, thank God. I just already done. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. Uh, it's um it's un, it's I've had people say that it's unbelievable and in a way it's so fantastical that it is almost unbelievable, but also it's just within the scope of, you know, this universe and and human nature. Yeah. And the reason I say human nature is because specifically, I think I point this out at another time as well when we were on together. I don't remember which specific episode, but the hypocrisy of it. the, The actual nerve of these people who say they're so idealistic about the society to have egalitarian relationships with the lowest of the low, the most utilitarian tools in the toolbox the obsidians and to raise them up to the level that atlas has raised uh the gorgons and fa is um just so deeply deeply hypocritical
1: yeah absolutely love the reveal love i love fa at this point like i almost want to root for him other than it's you're sitting there being like bud like do you not see how the golds have enslaved you and i i guess it's the same as darrow of like this gold is different this gold has treated us with kindness and compassion Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and and to that note like lysander specifically notes the treatment uh that atlas gives the whole the whole kinshield Compared oh. to how he treats Atlas or uh, Ajax, Ajax, sorry.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: and he, he's like, you know, Ajax would have killed to get one of the smiles that Atlas lavishes on any of the kin shield. It's like, man.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That is, that is an excellent and very loaded note.
3: Mm-hmm. There's a lot
2: about that.
1: yeah super interesting super I mean and then that alone gives a different side to Atlas that he's not this crazy scary guy he's gone through trauma and we know trauma creates trauma but the bonds he's decided to make out of all of that are to these specific people like but I do enjoy that they talk about the differences of all the obsidian of the Eskimani. they call them reptiles. They're not humans anymore. That's what they've been made to being and They are reptiles. Uh, and then talk about the Volk and, you know, where their <laughs> allegiance lie, how they had to win them over. And like the Braves being kind of savages and not fully being on board, they are kind of questioning the whole Saffy thing still in Tiermorga Morga where they just kind of like rolled their eyes every time it's brought up. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, like looking at, they know all the differences between each type of obsidian and where that falls. And so the ones we've seen versus them um, and what they've been used for. and you know, very interesting to see that division within the color.
2: A piece to me that is that it exists at least in to be able to be chewed in thought because it's not really discussed super in depth anywhere in the series, but something that I think about from time to time is the genetic versus like the epigenetic layers to this so you've got the genetics like the look, like the gene carrying the code to do a thing but then environment and nurture uh influence how the gene is expressed and we see i think examples of that in the Oskamani, and even further back in the last at the end of the last segment or beginning of this segment where uh, they find, I think it's the last segment where they find, no, it's this segment.
0: Oh, They're, that's the where beginning they find,
2: segment. Yeah, the the, crest, where they find. Made out of bodies,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: And he's questioning, like, is this the Volk that I knew? And it's like, okay, well, on the gene that they have, the genes that they have are the, sim- the same, more or less, genes that the Ascomani have. And that exists in both, but has been flipped, the expression of that gene has been flipped in other ways in the Republic because of nurture, because of opportunity, because of environmental factors that the Askamani most certainly do not have, which they talk about in terms of like their brutality and their intertribal wars and that just continuing the cycle of brutality within the Askamani. So I think that um, I don't have the sophistication to talk on that. In mm-hmm. much much greater depth. But Again, somebody else does. That would be somebody else great. is out there. <laughs> yeah, let's come in and do an epigenetics of every color, please. can you
1: imagine? I would. That <laughs> would love, be so like, fascinating. It's one of my like always in the back of my mind of how did each color get to this point? Especially because we know mm-hmm. starting with Red Rising, like the background of the Reds. So Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, so they're the Irish, we get it. They've been in the mines, what that looks like, how that's going to change. But like, how did the obsidian get to be the way they are? How did the greens get bred the way they are? Like, would love that. And then what is in their DNA, what's coded to be a certain way, and what is just that the golds have kept them a certain way like i think it's nature versus nurture for sure yeah i love
2: that yeah um what do you guys think about so like the last like third of this chapter is just like all atlas setting up sort of a push toward um Next steps mm-hmm. um, for himself. Like, why does he need Vila? You know, why is Gaia even still alive? You know, you've got the, what is the granddaughter name? It's th- Thalia? Thalia? Thalia, maybe. What is her name? Thalia. Yeah. yeah.
1: With a yeah. TH. Well, I love that they're like, why did you keep Gaia like, and they're like what kind of monster kills his mother like you're like Mm. listen we've got boundaries here you can't kill the mom like but uh and we know that guy had killed all of her grandchildren in order to
3: Mm -hmm.
1: almost either protect them from either being taken hostage or because of the reveal we are about to talk about in a moment knowing that this thing exists in their blood is so important, but like, but can't bring her couldn't bring herself to kill the youngest. And then we know that the other, like the captors also never killed the youngest. They only needed um, the one and we get the secondary as well.
2: That honestly, just every time I you said that and I cringed, I read it. Like three times. This is the third time through I've read this, and every single time that just hurts. Right. That just really, really hurts as a person with kids in their life. Like that. uh, hmm. Like I can't imagine either of like the grandmothers, my my grandmother, my son's grandmothers. Like I can't imagine either any of them. None of them. Yeah. would be able to, they they would themselves, I mean, I think what you suggest, Skipper, where it's like it would keep them from greater harm, Yeah, maybe the only line of reasoning, but to do it yourself just hurts to even think oh, about. Yeah. I touch it. I, I go there, I touch it, and I immediately run away from it because it hurts a whole lot. Yeah.
1: But I think, well, and it's interesting because you talk mother's love, but if that's the case, then why was the youngest one spared? Unless she realized of like, hey, they're not going to abuse a child so young. But like, yeah, absolutely devastating that portion.
2: I think you just get to the point of, over. my my read on it is that she just got to a point of complete and utter overwhelm. Yeah. Whereas, like, this is the baby of the family, of the entire family. Yeah. And I can't. This is not just my my baby's baby, but this is the baby baby of the entire family. Yeah. And I cannot.
1: Yeah. Crazy. And then it takes Lysander kind of negotiating of, well, what if you need a second? And he doesn't even, I think, at that point, understand what's happening. But like, hey keep it back up. keep up, like, what if, you know, we're partnered together, and they're like, she's, like, pretty pubescent, and he's like, hey, long
3: term,
1: like, because I think this is a moment where Lysander sees this, of, like, I think Lysander feels for the person, but he also is very obsessed with the ending of families, and so mm. is looking at mm-hmm. her, and is being, like, this is going to be the last raw that like you're going to let the family die with her. Uh, and I think can't bring himself a little bit to have that happen.
2: Or and or, or I mean, I, I guess maybe maybe let's say an and/ or not an and or. Um, Atlas counting on Lysander's morality which we yep. know he seems to have a read on to step in and save that because they make this note, like Thalia looks like Atlas, Yes, right? There's a certain connection there. And again, same thing with like, if this is another example, I, I would maybe not have said that, but this comes right on the heels of Atlas's giving Lysander the opportunity oh you don't like this plan that I've created where you get to rise to ascendancy at the um, expense of fa where you come in and you're the vanquisher and the savior but in the meantime all of the moons are going to get sacked and like Lysander takes more moral exception to that Yeah, and then Atlas is like well you could choose a moon to save the illusion open. of choice yeah and then and then again this sense of i have literally no agency in this in this matter whatsoever so that happened again it's kind of horrifying the the only time in this entire series that i can have a single iota of empathy and Related relatability to Lysander is in his lack of agency and just psychological distress at being in proximity to Atlas. I can't imagine being manipulated to that degree by somebody like Atlas. That's, it seems pretty terrifying.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, but that's when we then also learn of what is hanging out in the raw vault. What yeah, the, re- the
0: reason like. we've we've got a raw. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's so. Yeah.
0: I'm curious why Atlas's blood isn't good enough. He doesn't or have a scar, like he's. Oh, that's right. <clears throat> that's right.
1: Okay, so then what goes into the scars that they can't just give him a scar? How is the scar yeah. made that changes He
2: was leveraged as a bargaining chip after the Right. After the burning of Rhea to yeah. the mm-hmm. society. And he grew up in court and under the tutelage of the grimaces and right. the loons in the society but he at that young age was removed from the culture and the society of the rim and he never attended an institute
1: right right right. i get why he mm-hmm. doesn't have a scar but yeah, why no, but does like... that change his dna to not be good enough like what That's is in that scar yeah. ceremony that whatever however the genetics to open said vaults is what i'm gonna call it hmm. he the scar is that important
2: maybe they they use some sort of leviathan toxin
1: yeah in the
2: scarification process
1: perhaps
2: dragon dragon drake or leviathan
1: yeah (gasps) we haven't even gotten into the fact that we had a dragon die this chapter we'll come back to that because i'm traumatized by that um but yeah perhaps (gasps) but yeah that's the interesting thing to me of like okay so he doesn't have a scar so it doesn't work but why does that affect?
3: Yeah.
1: So interesting.
3: Yeah. But yeah. So but anyway, dragon.
1: what it is? No, no. We've got but to we... talk about what the <laughs> thing that we we'll go back to the dragon. So the thing in the vault is this.
0: Edme.
1: Yeah, Edme. I don't know even like weapon. I guess is the best use. It's a virus that yeah, can eradicate an entire color off of a planet.
3: Yep. Like,
1: that's crazy. And and the ramifications of what could occur. Like I would love to know what Atlas's plan is. Does he have something already like in mind or is he want to have it in his back pocket in case he needs
0: it. Yeah, as a contingency, or is it something that he's already got?
2: If you have something like that, why don't you use it, is my question. Like, why has the brim been sitting on that for 750 years, or whatever it's been?
0: Well, because they've always had a use for every color.
2: In the brim? But why not use it against the society, or... Or society. So this is what anything. I was thinking
1: of today. I didn't think about this
2: yeah.
1: three. Yeah, fair enough. But my thing today is what if Atlas dropped it against the golds on let's say Mars? Right? We all assume he wouldn't use it against golds. At least I wouldn't. The first time I read this through, I didn't think he would use it against golds. But if he was to use it and eradicate on let's say Mars, or if, I assume if it works on planet, it would work on a moon. So Phobos, getting rid of, i don't, well, they're no longer on Phobos, are they? But Mustang, Victra, the Telemannus, like that's your move. If the core and the rim are at war, you use it against the golds on a planet where they at least have the majority. So you might lose a few of the your own people but but maybe not maybe you know to pull them off and get an obsidian to drop it on this place and then kill off your enemies
2: i want to know why nobody in the because that is the play right like you don't just use it against you don't actually even just use it against your enemies you use it against everybody on your own side too that has any any claim to power whatsoever just wipe everybody out and your faction comes in and that's that period and so what would have stayed the rim's hand from using that before (laughs) and how do you use like where things stand now that seems like a very interesting dilemma but it does seem at least at this particular juncture in the book, like the only actual play is against gold.
1: Yeah. Is it a one and done? Is that maybe why nobody's used it before yeah, you hold maybe. it back so that, you know, this isn't the problem. We might have a different one in the future. Well, we might have mm-hmm. a different, right. It's the, it's the good China that you now. It's, it's the, it's the RPG
0: the... item cache.
1: Yeah, that, mm-hmm. like, no, no, I'm not going to use it now, because, like, so my good Chinese is, like, yeah, I'm waiting for the queen to come, right? Like, I'm waiting for the, F, like, upper epil- echelons to be able to use it. Yeah, as you say, the RPG catch of, like, do you, is it a one and done, and that's why they haven't used it? Or is it the honor of the raw, that they're like, hey, we understand, and taking it from Selenius... Flashes Selenius there. Oh, I thought you were doing it and then you are grabbing a beer. it um, mm. <laughs> got the Selenius bust. Selenius o Augustus, uh, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those who know, know. Uh, you know, so they take it from Selenius because maybe they didn't trust Selenius with it. But then why wouldn't you destroy it unless you knew somewhere we were going to use this. If it's a one and done you're going to hoard it away or maybe it's been used before on some very small moon or whatever. And they know the power it holds and what toll it took, but we've lost that document or whatever. Like that's, if it's not a one and done, you would assume somebody has used it.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure
1: some, some of this
2: cause there's no way something that big is going to get just swept under the rug. Yeah from this point on. So I'll be curious to see what transpires now that it's been talked about. Um, That's always, it's always, again, we go back to the use of Chekhov's gun theory in Red Rising Universe. You know, Pierce is very, he said that he's intentional. He doesn't just throw uh, red herrings out there. So I'm sure we'll learn something else about it
1: at some point for sure Mm -hmm. but yeah very interesting very interesting all right now are we good on this part can i talk about the dragon yeah well we
0: can talk about volga well, yeah. yeah but we can talk about of, Volga and the dragon.
1: We'll talk about the dragon because I feel like then I can segue into Volga of like, is Volga okay with this? Like Volga our animal lover is, and it's funny because I know for a fact, I don't even have to look it up. The text I sent, Crescent was like, dragon! And then like two pages later, like, dragon is dead. <laughs> I was like immediately like, yeah, dragon! <laughs> and we know that the dragon like whimpers and they, like Lysander says, it sounds like he's calling out for his... Ch- like her children and like it's just the sad they've just brought it back to use it as a feast which is a very like i feel like viking like idea in my mind any of the obsidian feasts to me are the dead of winter viking feasts and which is how you survive back in the days uh, i could get into canadian history on that it's-
0: one which but. Is there a parallel between the dragon and Gaia?
2: Oh. Well, I mean, in theory, yes. I mean, in in how House Ra is set up and then, you know, the significance of the dragons in House Ra.
0: What are you thinking, Crescent? Well, you're specifically, thought,
1: the crying out for the children—is that the uh, line mm-hmm. that?
0: Yeah, right. And Jesus. then it's it's the sigil beast, which I I suppose I can't guarantee, but like you would think that that means it's the oldest and largest. Well, yeah. Gaia is not the largest, but she is the She's oldest. The oldest, mm-hmm.
1: strongest is I think the you word know. Uh-huh. That, to be used. I would put. Gaia is the strongest of the raw, even mm-hmm. though remember when we meet her back at iron gold and she makes everyone think she's crazy. And then we learn mm-hmm. that she's not, she just is like, fucking
0: Cavex energy right there.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, that's a good call out. And then yeah, she gets the dragon gets, um, killed and fa himself jumps and rips the heart out, throws it into a fire and then they feast. Very, very sad.
2: Yeah, I feel like that's that's perfectly good metaphor for Gaia at this point.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. So sad, but yeah. But yeah. And then, then,
0: then we then we learn that Volga has not been like in battle with Fa. Mm-hmm. She's she's gone hunting with him. She's the one that that captured the dragon yeah but but he doesn't want to force her to kill with him basically
1: yeah which is an interesting kind of protecting her in a manner and we know that his like end game is to retire with her and give her like a pegasus farm like yeah she'll be happy mm-hmm. give her a ranch she'll be fine like Very interesting where that plays out. And I would like to point out at this point that, like, Lysander tries to ask. Is it Lysander or Atlas? One of them tries to ask about, like, what are your thoughts on Volga? And gets cut off. But they clearly, like, they are willing to gossip about everybody else. But they're not willing to gossip about Volga, which makes me think they have hesitation on Volga. Because if they were going to praise her, you just write out, like, yeah, great, she's good.
2: That's kind of the point that I was gonna to make too, is it's like there's still for me like a a veil yeah of understanding of what's going on with Volga that feels tense and uh, a little loaded. Yeah I worry for her. Is she plotting? Is she malleable? Like where where is she at? Because she was so vulnerable. When she got
1: brought
0: in, yeah, yeah. I like that um, that she tried to kill him first off.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good
0: on. But her. then I don't like that he was able to convince her that she should stop doing that.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: And and now she seems to be like more or less on his side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I read that and that's what my takeaway is. I'm like, it sounds like she's totally Jill where she is.
0: Yep. Which doesn't seem like our girl. But yeah, uh no. but also like it's like, so completely how, different.
1: Is it though? Because think of how Ephraim used her and pushed her around. And if she is just looking for family, if she's just looking for a father figure, it kinda does work its way into like if People can justify, manipulate her in the capacity, like, that's what Ephraim did. We love to think of Ephraim in this, like, great, honorable thing and always have it out. But, like, he was kind of terrible to her for a while. Oh, absolutely. And she followed along like a golden retriever. And now, sure, at the beginning, her first off reaction is, I shouldn't be here. Let me try and kill you. But if she's then given an option of, I will protect you, I will make you my daughter, I think Volga would take it. Like, I don't think it's out of character. I just think that we don't like seeing that side of her. But I think she does kind of sway to whoever, Lyria, Victra, how fast did she form an alliance with Victra? Because it's this mentality of, hey, there's only the three of us, we have to keep ourselves Alive, so then she forms an alliance with victor super fast off the bat. She's now doing it here. Like I think Volga is just somebody who's highly susceptible to wanting love and affection, and that makes her mani- like easy to manipulate. And so Fa has taken advantage of that, but I don't even know if he's fully he doesn't think he's taken advantage of that. I think he thinks like I'm offering her her best life and she's willing to accept it in the same way Ephraim offered her the best life. Victra offered her life in general, Um, right? So I don't think it's Mm -hmm. that out of character for Volga to act in this way.
2: Right, just seeing her through the eyes of Lyria as we have in the last few chapters.
1: Yeah. That that's the part that then hurts of mm-hmm. we know it's not the side we want her to be on but I think for her personally she doesn't really have an alliance to anyone or anything and she just kind of goes with whoever is willing to protect her and give her a reason to live.
2: Yeah. Family connection Ata yeah.
1: That. I, I I buy
2: it. I'm there with you.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm pick I'm picking it up.
0: Yeah. I guess the only thing that makes me that made me think like that's out of character is like it's literally the whole reason she went with him. Right? Is like he will bring me close and then I will kill him.
3: Uh huh. Yeah. But hmm. yep. Does well, that I
0: bring what well, we 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 get a brief mention of our
3: mm-hmm. worthy boy.
1: you miss I've switched to drinking rum so I could drink my worthy rum.
0: Nice.
3: Yeah.
1: It's a good sipping rum. It's still in my teacup, but um because
0: yeah. it's fancy.
1: That's fancy. It's worthy. Worthy park run. Yeah, yeah. We do get a break. and I think it mentions that Fal would have liked from.
0: Oh he yeah. He said um, At-
1: Atlas's favorite knife. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Which is weird to think about. And, and he like actually that. called.
0: Yeah, yeah. It would not... yeah. yeah. Um. He calls like he actually says that was like uh said something about him being worthy like in in that one little paragraph
3: yeah
0: Yep. howlerhollow.net by the way gone too soon
1: gone way too soon
0: Mm mm-hmm
1: well is that our end of lysander
0: yeah for for now yeah pretty much
1: not the end of lysander just the end of his chapters we wish it was
0: Ah, nuts
1: he'll be back next week
0: unfortunate we'll that we just spent
2: two hours talking about
1: him
0: <laughs> yeah I
1: did get him out of the way because i was like i don't want to end on him i would like to end on darrow so that's why he's that but let is let's segue you are wearing your worthy t-shirt from Howler, yep. hollow.net which is the den's merch site Bad well it's just have,
0: the den's site in general but that is we yes, have a nice correct. shop
1: Yes, correct. Uh, And then, uh, Badger, you have HowlerCon on, the signed Pierce shirt.
2: Mm-hmm. So a Lit Escalates, uh, Escalates. merch item. And yep. then you have one that's a completely different Red Rising-related merch.
1: What I, oh, what I'm wearing? Yeah. Yeah. I have the There's No Therapy in Space. Which is our Fade to Obsidian Red Bubble. It comes on t shirts. It comes on aprons.
0: It comes on pretty much anything. <laughs>
1: uh, I don't think we actually have this one on an apron, but yeah, it comes on everything. Uh, so check us out at redbubble.com. Just look up Fade to Obsidian and you will find us. Um, yeah.
0: And speaking of uh, aprons, everybody go drop your suggestions for.
1: No, that's going to be apron designs.
0: Oh, it's ah. Well, next sorry, you guys episode, are too late.
1: Next Enjoy. episode, we'll be announcing what the Cassius apron and maybe Diomedes. No one's given us anything for Diomedes, and I feel like Daddy Ametes is too obvious, and we already have that on hollerhollow.net. Uh, but fresh
0: trout chef.
3: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> i like that
1: i might have to go on i was thinking while we were recording this that we should make um a shirt that says pierce is that a reference that's that's absolutely we should (laughs) let me write that down yeah i feel like we need some merch that says pierce is that a reference uh if you ever hear something we say during an episode and you're like that would be hilarious i would wear that on a shirt shoot me a message and I'll see what I can do.
2: So we, as you're doing that and before yeah. we've dived into Darrow real quick, we talked about Atlas being evil daddy. We've got, uh, Diomedes is daddyotomies or daddy Medes, And, um, and then I always think of Romulus as original daddy. So, I feel like we need a a, a family tree, a genealogical tree um, of the daddies. Yeah.
1: The daddy raw. That uh, meringue last episode called out of uh, OG Daddy being Romulus, but then forgot Romulus' yeah. name. So yeah. I'm gonna put the
0: daddy. She had been drinking. We'll forgive her. Yeah, it's fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good one. For sure. Yeah, we love our raw. I think it is, comes down to, even Atlas has in some capacity, and we see it more in these chapters than anywhere else, some kind of honour. And we see Romulus in his, I know people have used the like love quote in their weddings. I wouldn't go that far because it is the weirdest love ever. I think it's a toxic love between Romulus and Dido. I think on Dido. Yeah, but it's a good. Side. It's such a
0: good quote, though.
1: I know, but the background of it. No judgment if you've used it, but I look at it every time and I'm like, okay. Um, but I think we see the love he has for Dido. We see Diomedes, who we are about to talk about a little bit more, and just his honor, how he holds himself together. Oh. Spoil just but a little bit. What he looks like
2: when he's coming oh.
1: out of the uh, Oh, my God. I mean, even... He gasped yeah, I, thought,
0: I, thought I thought that was stopping earlier. I was like, <laughs> you're not getting into that. <laughs>
1: um, I was going to say, spoil just a little bit, that later in the book, we'll see some other chef's kiss moments from Diomedes that I think just everyone who... You know what? I, wouldn't, I was going to say everyone who has an interest in men. But I think everyone on the planet can appreciate the honor, the integrity, the gentleman that is Diomedes. And we see as well Atlas in this chapter has, I don't know if honor is the word. It is. It's a little bit of honor. He's too. got
0: conviction.
1: He's got conviction. The treatment of the obsidian is actually higher than we have seen most people with it. Like the play, like the mastermind that's, I'm very into like men who can like highly intelligent. And so as evil as he is, I look at this and I'm like, Oh, I could listen to you talk all day. Tell me all your plans. Like, I think the raw just hit in a specific way that makes everyone go, Hmm. Yes, get me one of those, please. <laughs> I would. Love to uh,
2: I think one of those. Dar- I think Mustang actually sums it up because I think it's a. This is a, centerpiece of the den, Venn diagram, between Darrow and the
1: Raw is
2: competency. Ooh, yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. But yeah, we yeah, love tracks. our Daddy Raws. We love them.
0: Even though the funniest thing is, <laughs> Diomedes is the only one who is not actually a daddy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Much to Ori's dismay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I
1: was to say, like. Have we it seen is... a gold <laughs> pink, uh, pink bread there? Some were probably in the line.
2: they'd have to see a carver first. Diomedes
1: have to get down
2: with that. Like, come on, Diomedes, we know...
1: I was gonna say, we also, I feel like... uh, Do pinks give birth? Like, how... Some. No. 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 Because it would absolutely destroy them. Like, they do not have the structure to carry a child. No, she she can't even push
2: Severo without breaking a finger. And Severo's not even a big gold. No.
0: Yeah.
2: Alright, well... Shall we jump No, I think right they
0: specifically and... call out that their, like their reproductive system has been.
2: Yes, it's whites for sure, uh, pinks for sure, and grays for sure.
3: Yeah.
2: That I have noted so far that are bred sterile.
1: Yeah. Maybe blues. No. Blues. Not or... grays. Wait, no, not grays. Not grays. Gray. Gray. Not, not grays. Gray. Gray. So then what
2: what was that comment that Rode made where he's like, we gave up our right to legacy when we gave up our right to have children?
0: It's maybe the Praetorians can't have kids.
2: Okay, maybe it's like a specific class of Grey.
1: Mm-hmm. And maybe the it's like an
2: after-the-fact kind of
1: thing. Yeah, aren't the Blues all test-tube babies? Because they're all born into the sect.
0: Hmm. Um... Yeah, not specifically, but
1: it's like worded in a manner that it doesn't sound like.
0: I, yeah, I don't think they're kind of
1: conventional. Borderline. I
0: don't think they're test tube, but like, like they talk about how blues like share lovers, they share right. air, they share space, like. <clears throat> so it's probably just more of like a societal thing, not a right. medical thing.
2: Oh, okay. The blues remind me of the belters
3: like a whole
1: lot in the expanse oh, yeah. series yeah yep. for sure yeah all right well let's get into darrow and yeah, let's let's uh, hop on the archimedes get on the archie uh, and uh where do we start with this is with the finding of no it's with several it's laughing.
0: with Severo's laughter
1: and the rest yeah. of them, because they're going through the debris, the rest of them are somber, they're looking out into space, holy shit what's happening, and Severo's cackling.
2: He is in cackling. full, I feel he's like just been, a ball of nihilism at this point.
0: I feel like Severo doesn't have other laughter.
2: He, oh, like his cackles. laughter
0: is only cackle. Like We just had a
2: howler get renamed by Pierce Cackler.
0: Yeah, we did. Was that, that was um tunes yeah
1: yeah cackler Nate tunes nice mm-hmm. nice uh yeah there's uh i i picture it as stitch you know when he maniacal oh laughing. yeah <laughs> let me hit my microphone during that maniacal laughter yeah yeah he is definitely the stitch like his his laugh is just i mean I kind of get it, like, these are the people who he knows, and we know it, well, we'll find out during this that everyone but Darrow knows. That, yeah. That, you know.
0: Ulysses is gone.
1: Yeah, and so Severo's going through some shit, and while the Rim was not actually in any capacity responsible for that, in fact, Fa is the one who then crashed the ship, takes the Pandora Leaves them at the mercy of the red hand. You get it that he just wants anyone who is not their allies to die. And he is so happy to find this debris field that everybody else is like, dear God, like, what is this?
2: Yeah, this is like this intro is the uh, tone That is the tone of, like, these two chapters, the Darrow POV chapters, Um, very much so. And you're right. I think that's a good way of characterizing it, of him wanting, he wants everyone to share in his suffering, except, I mean, really not even at the exclusion of his allies. Yeah. He is so hurt that he wants other people to hurt, so that his hurt does not feel so profoundly isolated. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yo, know, like he he basically immediately starts lashing out at Darrow. You know, he's like, what's the matter? Like, are you so mad that an obsidian is better than you in space? Like, why do you think why do you think that this armada could be so thoroughly destroyed? There's no possible way that it could be done. Yeah. in a you know quote unquote fair fight it's like why like do you think obsidians are trash like yep And daryl was like no you fuckwit <laughs> like that's not how fleets die yeah like and there's no no casualties on the other side like
1: yeah
2: yeah, and you know, remember just a minute ago we were talking about the the genetics of the of the As-Kamani and the Obsidians and the brutality mm-hmm. that exists, the violence. Like this is where Darrow. This is the point where Darrow is questioning that for himself as well. Yeah, because of uh, the crescent, the Obsidian crescent. Yeah, that yeah. was built out of. Um, civilians yeah. basically
1: and it's like it 400 meters
0: yeah it's yeah. like 400 ridiculous. meters from point to point Ugh. yeah that's huge
2: just floating there everybody wired together
1: okay is it also gross that in my head immediately i'm thinking like is this just arts and crafts time take some corpse like blah. Who who's responsible for making that? Like that's your job—is to arts and crafts some corpse together?
2: Bah, I don't. Like well, that. the uh, Oskamani, as they point out later on in one of the Lysander chapters, said meat is meat. Yeah. Yeah. So for them, that that kind of butchery it goes back to. I mean, we've seen this before. We've seen it in what seems to be a slightly more civilized container when they are uh, in on the way to Asgard and there's the obsidians and then there's the cast-off obsidians that are the right. corpse eaters.
3: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, hold up. Are the Ascomani reavers? What's a reaver? Firefly?
1: Yeah, I haven't watched. They're first. basically am, people
0: like that have gone out to the edge of space and gone insane. Pierce, I mean, is
2: that a I, reference? Pierce, is
0: that a reference? Yeah, Pierce, yeah. Is that a reference? <laughs> I just that's had a thought. Good. I'm like, hold the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. See?
1: Um,. Yeah, okay, moving on from the absolutely disgusting roots and crafts. Uh,
2: Cassius and, and Lyria hunch in two pilot seats, staring out at each other. There's some point in here where he mentions where Darrow mentions Rona. Yes,
0: and, uh, and yeah, so Lyria hid out like Rona. Like he's mm-hmm. annoyed that she hid out. But right. Like, he's very, he's impressed with how yes well that like how seriously she's taking learning all the systems of the ships
1: because there's it's later it's later that um ori oh it's ori is trying to get the message from athena and cassius says lyria go with her and learn how to do that and lyria just immediately Mm -hmm. is like yep done deal okay and follows ori to learn how to get the message from athena because we've yeah at this point that these daughters have vacated.
0: Yeah, the sun Mm -hmm. is down. Mm -hmm. The sun is
2: down. Yeah. They're they've initiated the the fallback plan. But what jumped out at me, relationships wise, is like the whole Lyria and Rona dichotomy. Cassius never even knew Rona. Cassius only knew of Rona as a loss in the context of of losing also Alexander. And for now, um Lyria to exist in a space that is making Darrow have Rona vibes feels away.
3: Yeah.
2: Has some, has some feels attached to it. Also, I wanted to point out that I felt it was slightly hypocritical of Darrow to mentally judge um, their relationship. De- no. uh, Cassius's and, and Lyria's relationship like Cassius is the last person I would think a red would like like oh okay see, he's basically your third wife bro <laughs> you realize that right
0: Second, well, yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. see I didn't read it so much as as judging more as just like being surprised okay more like you know like I wouldn't have I wouldn't have expected it but like I'm not unhappy about it. Yeah. Right?
2: But yet Darrow the Red at the Institute instantly fell in love with Cassius. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: So I just find Okay, so maybe less judgy but still bur- bordering on hypocritical in the sense that seems to lack the self-awareness to realize that he completely fell in the exact same way.
1: Correct. I also do yep. think it shows a lot of growth on Cassius's side of Cassius, you know, and, and Darrow compares Lyria to Lysander and Pytha, and Pytha's not gold, but I think it does show how far Cassius has come that he is <laughs> looking at Lyria And Ori, in the same capacity, he is looking at the golds of like, this is someone who needs to learn how to do all these things. And I'm not going to doubt that she can do them because she's a gold, right? In the same way of like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, the pink is right now doing stuff that a green should be doing. Like, should, right? Like, later, the pink is actually acting as the yellow, and mm-hmm. like he is at this point of understanding that all the colors can do all the things. And we are seeing that in real time with his relationship with Lyria of mm-hmm. I can get along with you, drink, make you like a confidant as if you are a red or sorry, as if you're a gold. I can trust you with my ship like you're a blue. I can trust you in other capacities as if you're a green or an orange to fix and do things around the ship. Like, I think it's a huge, huge character development that we see. And it's, you know, maybe he's been like this for years, but it is the proof that Cassius is Mm -hmm. on the side of the Republic and not the society. That he's no longer, you know, well, she's a red, I dismiss her. So, I think that's yeah. a huge call out there.
2: The last chapter, when they're comparing like drinks and the is just so cute. The, the call sign and drink yeah.
0: interaction mm-hmm. is just yeah,
1: adorable. Yeah, of um, yeah, like finally someone <laughs> of
0: like some decent company.
1: Yeah,
2: that's the yeah. Um, I, I Y'all probably know offhand, I've forgotten because I've don't remember all the things that Pierce has said he's read in over the times, but the specific passage that they quote here from a path to the veil, when life springs forth, death follows behind when goodness is found, evil is close at hand. The path straddles the boundary between these things really hits like, uh, Brandon Sanderson's way of Kings quote oh. to me, big time.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I just have that. Mean, as the a first note. ideal.
2: Yeah, basically.
0: Yeah.
1: First ideal Red from Sanderson, yeah. but I wouldn't be shocked if Pierce has read Sanderson.
0: Mm-hmm. I think at least some of it anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I do think then for Sever to follow it up by calling it a dusty ass tome again is funny. Comedic relief, but it's starting to get like dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> starting to get kind of dark. Yeah. Um and then we still get a little bit more comedic relief before we get into, I mean, yeah, it, it, I think it's going back and forth between like actual light humor to dark humor for a little while here, back and forth. Mm-hmm. Fly, don't, don't you tell me you're going to say fly like an eagle or whatever. That's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> if you
3: say fly like
1: an eagle. <laughs> Starting now. Now. That's every, my favorite. Every, like, we, watch this. Debris hits the <laughs> starting now. Yeah. <laughs> love Cassius for this. I can't believe I'm saying I love Cassius. How many? Five. Five books I sat there and was like, meh, who is he? And now I'm like, damn it.
2: Yeah. yeah damn at this. Like, I mean, oh, I've been fully on board with Cassius since Dark Age, but this feels gratifying for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Uh,
2: so we get Diomedes.
1: Well, that's so uh we pick up so we get that the daughters have left oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um calico. So then what's our next plan? We have to go to Sungrave, but then there is a pinging happening and Ori says it's connected to a heartbeat. So that's why like there's so many distress signals. We need to follow that one because it's connected to a heartbeat. We later learn that it is a call sign that she is well aware mm-hmm. because it yeah, is it's a what raw, the raw
0: family. Uses.
1: Yeah. And so we pick up and I love the idea that they use the God killer uh, armor as like astronaut suits. Like mm-hmm. That's how like they're like, meh. we'll just put on our like war armor to use like to do a spacewalk. And they're able to get I mean him. it
0: makes perfect sense though, right? Like
1: Yeah. It's good. Gonna- what
0: else are they gonna use?
1: You would think on a spaceship they would have some kind of astronaut gear, but it works.
0: They do. God killers. <laughs> Quicksilver's like, they don't need spacesuits. God killer. Yeah. Well,
3: God killer.
0: Gods live in space, okay? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um <laughs> yeah you're right my bad um
0: no therapy in space but there is gods
1: (laughs) there there is is battle armor rated for space yeah uh which never mind i'm not even going to go down that tangent we're already at two and a half hours uh so they pull them out they're able at that point of being like this is clearly a gold it's someone who was awake enough to put on armor and then put themselves back into whatever trance they're in. This guy's mm-hmm. gotta be brain dead. But then they get him back to the archie. They know it's a gold. They kind of go through everything. And then the final reveal is, and I feel like us as the reader, I knew. It's like, this is gonna be oh, yeah. like, you knew because Lysander threw him off. Like this is it, but it's that gasp from the Ori of like and that's the moment that it's like yeah diomedes is back and we've learned that after lysander pushed him off he did come back around was able to put on the armor and then put himself in such a meditative stance that lowered his oxygen it lowered everything and that's the reason he is not brain dead like
0: I think Badger's just over here jealous. I was
1: going to say. <laughs> Badger, talk us through I mean, the, I don't know, science of that.
2: That's why we're going through the paths of the veil, my friends. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's there's only one, one path forward, and that is to be able to have that kind of mastery. I mean, it's not impossible to put yourself in like very low metabolic threshold, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where that's basically where he's at and we're assuming that golds have much greater capacity for that than a standard homo sapien yep. so yeah I love the those piece by piece reveal as Darrow is just like, it's like oh shit this isn't like some backline pixie the guy's got like meat cleaver hands and meaty forearms and he's basically like sizing him up
0: Darrow. Yeah, he's got like massive chest, Darrow's shoulders chest, as wide as mine. Mine,
1: like, Yeah, mm-hmm. are we all? I know we're all just yeah. you know waiting to faint over the reveal. Darrow is Darrow blatantly
2: is bisexual. Him. He <laughs> doesn't realize it, but that is exactly what is going. Like he he has like battlefield loves. I think he's so oblivious though, and actually we get into That's that so again bad. later on.
1: Oh, with that? But, weird?
2: Yes. Yeah. Like, it's like the second or third call out of Valdir of as well.
3: That
1: yeah. <laughs> yep. everyone's like, he's fucking in love with you. And Darrow's like, No he's not. Like
2: He's just like no people no, like li- really wants to fuck you, my guy.
1: It's okay, Darrow. Mm-hmm. I also don't know when people like me. <laughs> it's fine. Some of us are oblivious that way. <laughs> we have to be straight up told.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. Interesting. Darrow's interesting to me in that way. Darrow's like largely like aside from Mustang and and um EO, like he's he largely functions as like a man apart in that way, which I find I've known known people like that. It's it's totally plausible. It's not common. Yeah. But it is funny that all the bisexual men of the series are way into him, <laughs> <laughs> including but not limited to Valdir and Cassius in their own ways. Yeah,
3: <sighs> for
1: sure. But yeah, but yeah. After he's done studying Diomedes' whole body, we get the reveal that it is. They like have to like shave off whatever's on his face. and there. there, yeah, he it's is. that the
0: black egg that the mm-hmm. Alice- Atlas. And again,
1: even after it's like revealed, it's then like his black and gray or black and gold hair is swept Mm -hmm. from his face. Like, I didn't know. Only if you think it is
2: Diomedes Alra.
1: I didn't know we were in the romance section describing the hair. (laughs) Right. And it's not from Ori's
2: POV. It's from Darrow's POV.
1: It's (laughs) the hair is swept across the face. Yeah. There he he's is. ready to—he's ready to swoon. Hurt <sighs> me Ready. He's swooning. He's
0: in the act of.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: swoon City population to
1: known... Well, we kind of know. Cat like Cassius feels for Diomedes as the like he saved my life, but I would have loved to have his point of view in this moment of like his reveal of that emotional like hey, he saved my life, I now get that return of saving his. But also just what that, I would, you know, there's always, we, we're, we can never get all the POVs we want, but Cassie's mm-hmm. in that moment is one that I would have loved. And then to counter that, we get Severo immediately trying to kill him. <laughs> and then yeah. I like that he's like, no, 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 not his throat. We have to use him for answers. Like, I will take off his toes. You start with the digits. (laughs) Like, Oh, dear God. (laughs) It's... Okay.
2: No, you you go first
0: present. Well, and, like, he's using... He's using the threat of torture of Diomedes to, like, gauge how on their side, basically, Ori is. Yeah. Like, man...
2: Not that's just a, boring though. It's shit. also it's also a way of getting under Darrow under and Cassius skin. Yeah, sure. and and that's concerning. Like based off of what transpires in the next section, again, like I what I was saying before, where it flips back and forth. Okay, like yeah, that's funny, but we're like in the throes of kind of watching somebody have like a low key crisis.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. because the next one, I think the only thing to talk about, and this will be an ongoing thing, it's the only thing left in this chapter is that how, I don't know if happy, but relieved, I would say, is the word that Ori is, that they have mm-hmm.
3: Diomedes.
1: And that's where you're like, even as the reader, kind of understanding of like, okay, so then where do your allegiance lie if you're this relieved that Diomedes is alive? And, and
2: this a... we see as, like, the end of the illusion of a romantic relationship between she and
1: Cassius
3: mm-hmm. as well.
1: Yeah. To be fair, I always thought that she had nothing to do with Cassius. But Cassius's feelings, I think, come crashing down on him right now. Of Like, you really had no chance. You thought maybe you could probably sway her, and now it is the, like... Yeah. Oh no, that's where her um, emotions lie. But she's yeah, gonna You never had off. your car she's gonna yeah, like no no but uh, the next chapter is then Several describing how oh my god I was driving home today reading that or listening to this and like gagging as he and it was funny because I could feel myself so i would like feet on the pedal I'm on major highway in Toronto as she's just desc- or sorry several is describing so you skin the toes and then you're gonna salt the toes and you're gonna bash and the most th- like critical um nerves are underneath the cute And I could, I'm like driving and I can feel myself like pulling my toes up and like, I was like, Oh, like I was getting a like visceral reaction while driving today. And it's the third time I've either read or listened to it. And I, every time I'm like, this is so gross. And meanwhile, so you know, in the room, Cassius lyria and ori are all probably having the same reaction to me of like you just feel through your body of like okay i need to feel that my toes are attached right now and daris here says over feeling,
2: here like tell me what it's like girl. to torture somebody based off of the toes and by the way fbi agents this is for my vote
1: <laughs> right oh my god it yep. gets into that like <laughs> author versus serial killer like yeah yeah But uh, yeah, and then Darrow is sitting there being like, move on, get over it. (laughs) Like, stop trying to get a reaction out of them. Like, what are you doing? We are not doing this. We're not torturing him. Like, absolutely not. Like, so funny. But yeah, I just, like, can tell you what part of the highway I was when he was describing that. Because immediately my feet were coming off the, like, gas pedal. Because I was like, oh my god, my, my, my own toes. Oh god.
2: We're absolutely not torturing him except, psych, yes we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um
3: Um. I. Um,
1: it's,
0: it's like, we start, I think it's the start of the next chapter or the next mm-hmm. Darrow chapter. We see that like, Darrow is like, still very deeply traumatized.
1: Oh yeah, he's having like, nightmares.
0: He's exactly having nightmares about the fucking Askimani coming on the ship, yep. and
1: the banging on the door. Basically, so murdering Cassius, all of them. Yes, they've killed several. They've and like describes what they've done to each of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and here they are for me, and like wakes up freaking out that that's what it is. Like yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's going through the PDSD, he's going through the nightmares, he's going through the stress. Um yeah, I mean understandable based on where he is. And then oh, yeah. the banging is real and it's Lyria freaking out of he's doing it, he's torturing the prisoner. Yeah. Right.
2: The the there's a lot of movement in this section rapidly. Yeah. Uh, and a lot is revealed through how people are dealing with the stress of this moment. You know, Darrow obviously can infer that this is sure. This is about a certain, like several enacting a certain, what he perceives to be utility or protocol.
1: Yeah.
2: Then we have the inter, Play between Cassius and Ori, where Darrow tries to deploy Ori as a check against Cassius, rushing in and making things worse. But Ka- Ori's far more f- focused on what's happening to Diomedes, mm-hmm. and uh, and Darrow picks up on that, but Cassius doesn't. But Darrow notices that Cassius doesn't pick up on it. Meanwhile, Lyria's is just doing her best to get in there. And it ends up at the wrong side of Severo's fist.
1: Well, and we'll get into that
3: yeah. in a moment. But mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Of uh, you know, them rushing the room is a huge thing. And he's trying to this is where he smells the alpine on Cassius's breath. Yep. And says, like, you yep. are you being around here is not going to be helpful. And Cassius uses like whatever move to get around Darrow and into the room. And you know, it's it's an ongoing, like, you're antagonizing him. Ori uh, is the first one who ends up injured.
2: Yes, because she shoves. Mm-hmm.
1: And breaks yeah. her finger. If not, like, I guess she looks like she's in pain from the wrist, and then it's later that the finger is what, like...
2: Severo does, is removing the guy, is removing Diomedes' teeth. And, and then, then electrocuting... The exposed
3: nerves.
1: Again, like nope. Yep. Visceral reaction.
3: Sounds like a
2: lot of fun for a space trip.
3: Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, and then uh, you know you get that back and forth of. Several thinks this is what Daryl wants. You gave me the. Yeah, look. it's like you gave
0: me the look.
1: This is what I do. This is why you have the goblin.
0: Yeah, this is why you bring me along. That's why you always bring me along, right? So, you, so, you, so we you can love keep the... you clean.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's sarcasm. You love the... Don't you think?
1: I no. I don't I think, think it is. It, I think it. Really I think
0: is he's. True.
1: I think that's what Severo deeply believes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's like you don't. You don't actually care. You just, you like what I do for you. Right. You know, you
2: it's like, like, you. Yeah, like I get, I like, yes, but the way that he's delivering it, he's like, you say I'm your friend, but this is my utility. Let's be real about it.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think we're saying the same thing just differently. Just,
1: yeah. Because I think from what we know and what we will hear in the next little bit of Severo is going through a crisis. We know that. Us as the reader knows it is based on, and Daryl will learn in the next little bit, he doesn't feel he was there for Victra. So then what place does he have in anyone's life? If he can't be there for his wife, why is his best friend bringing him along? And that's where he then digs deep into... Well, Severo's not who Daryl wants. Severo wants the goblin because it's this, it's this self-doubt. It's this crisis of nobody wants Severo. Right. Severo's not a goblin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Severo fails, right? Like.
1: Yeah. And we see this in this moment and it's this, you know, whatever look he thinks Daryl gave him. It is, he was, I think, in that moment in his crisis, what would the goblin do and interpreted what he wanted to see and is now upset that he interpreted that wrong. And Daryl is yes. now pushing back of like, this is not who we are. This is not what we do. Well, this is what you told me to, but it is, there was no word said. So it's that miscommunication based on Severo's reaction because Severo's not his... He's not in a good mental state at all. He has no therapy in space. He doesn't even have the path to the veil. And he has no one else to talk to. At least at this point, we know that Cassius and Lyria are clearly talking. Whether or not that includes their own trauma, we learn it includes Severo's trauma. So my guess is that they would have a little bit of what each other's going through. I think Cassius... If Darrow wanted to talk about something, he knows that Cassius would be there for them. Or he's keeping everything in order But Severo has no outlet. And that's where we're seeing he's reduced to violence. And we'll see in a moment him reduced to violence against Cassius, which mirrors back to Morning Star, Where it is the fight of Severo versus Darrow is the only way Severo can get his anger out. Like he but ultimately,
2: 80%. we see in this chapter that that violence, that externalized violence, is ultimately just a last-ditch effort to keep uh, himself yeah. from enacting that upon himself.
1: For sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: He has, yeah, he's completely... It's right on the edge of becoming like an actual split personality situation. You know, I think we we thankfully catch it. Darrow catches it right before it becomes an issue. I think Darrow handles it in a very direct approach that brings the situation to a physical space instead of it just being in a mental space, which is pretty wise, I think, of Darrow. I mean, it can sure. be dangerous. Obviously, but, those kinds of interactions need to be heavily moderated refereed so that they don't get out of hand but he's fully aware of that as he's going into it
1: fully and i think he had control until lyria became a liability but he goes into so it's Severo and cassius take off and are fighting it out and are it's not just this anger it is not just and i love the fact of like it calls out that cassius is drunk but Severo is sober and used to taking down guys bigger than him So knows how to play Cassius, Mm -hmm. but then is reduced to words of calling out Cassius for every terrible thing he's done. And they're going Mm -hmm. back and forth, fighting it out. It's hurtful. It's so hurtful. It's so hard to read. Like you just, you don't like it and you know how far Cassius has come, but it, it needed to happen. Um, but I like the whole time Darrow is sitting on a crate, and the moment Lyria walks in, like he's like, "Come sit, just watch." And Lyria's is the one freaking out. I'm like, "What the fuck?" And Darrow's like, "Yeah, yeah, they're fine. They are grown men. Let them fight."
2: Yeah, couldn't couldn't save Julian. Couldn't protect Quinn. Couldn't keep Mustang intrigued. You're the shallow end of the pool. Can't. Couldn't save your sovereign because you're a traitor. Then you couldn't join the Republic because you're not welcome. Whole Ares thing, but the saddest shit is you spent years on the loon brat, only to have him ditch you for the world that chewed you up and spat you out at the first opportunity he could get. Yeah. can't even stand straight without a woman inflating your spine.
0: Yeah, that's fucking vicious.
1: Yeah. But yet, it's... True, and I think Cassius needs to hear it. Like, mm-hmm. I think oh, yeah. Severa has 100%. every reason to say it, and it is. It is the reason Cassius drinks, especially that Lysander. We've seen that when Matteo brought it or when Quick brought it up. The Lysander part weighs heavily on Cassius, and so Cassius needed to hear it, and I think Darrow knew that Cassius needed to hear it. Mm -hmm. but Darrow was missing a piece of this whole thing, which is when Cassius responds with, you couldn't even be there for your wife. And Mm -hmm. and that's then when Lyria, because Lyria knows she's in shit. She gave Cassius that ammo gets up and is the person who should like Darrow didn't think she would. Didn't think she'd get involved. Figured she'd sit there beside, and so her getting injured is what brings it all to an end. Um,
2: You know, you think that,
1: and
2: kind of you've you've skirted around it a couple of times in what you've said, Skipper, you think that Severo's the one that is the most injured party here, but like, historically speaking, the only one of three of the men in this context that have even begun to contend with the decisions that they've made is terrible.
1: Yeah.
2: Like Cassius has kind of been like, Well, I'll just change what I was doing yeah. and then I'll just be loved and accepted and it will be fine. And I will just find that love and acceptance through a relationship and it'll be fine. It's all fine, right? Yeah.
3: yeah. And
2: <laughs> it's not <totally laughs>
1: healthy to do. Yeah.
2: He yeah. doesn't have a therapist, so like yeah. just get 'em get a girlfriend to do it for you. It's
1: fine. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Trickle down therapy um so next we have Sevro, who's like you know we think that it's Sevro who's gonna be this big you know and Sevro is in a crisis okay but it's still i think so interesting to see how okay you just spelled out all of cassius's shit for us like we've all known this but like we've just been like oh he's the drunk guy he's just figuring he's a good-natured drunk guy we love him but yeah. no, he actually has, like, a lot of actually very serious shit that he needs to deal with as well.
3: Yeah.
1: For sure. But I don't think, like, it's interesting that I don't know if Savro reflects enough on other people. Like, there's those people who go, I'm in crisis, no one else can be in crisis. And the people who acknowledge of like, yes, I'm going through something terrible. Other people are going through something terrible. And I think that's it. Right. Severo doesn't actually acknowledge that loss of a child is huge. Everything Severo has gone through is huge. But he does not acknowledge that anybody else can be hurting at this time. And using what Cassius is going through. And I think acknowledges of like, yeah, fine, you're drunk because of these reasons but doesn't actually dive deep into that. And we see after that Darrow spells it out for him of like, okay, Cassius killed your dad. How we killed his entire family. We did this. Yeah. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Julian died at my hand because of the rules of the Institute. Doesn't stop the hurt of losing your twin.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Leary is here. She yes. lost her entire family or like she, he actually goes down the list of all of the the people that are like there and spells out their specific relationship to how they move together as a team and as a team specifically for the sake of the Republic and, and what they're trying to do. And I thought that that was like a, okay, that shows Darrow's growth. Yeah. Very, very well that he's able to see and empathize with each of their situations and, and, and several is really still has not, I, I mean, talk about, I mean, no shade, but like he's over here calling out Cassius for using a woman to prop him up. I mean, I like to think that he had some major growth in, Golden Sun and Morning Star, but like ultimately he he got with a woman that provided him like a great sense of value with Victra. And he has not done the work to heal his sense of internalized worthlessness, which is what, why we're here.
1: For sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it unfortunately takes. Lyria getting injured getting and and it's Cassius that hurts her that in that moment I don't think it's just because it's Lyria I like to think that Cassius would in that moment react to anyone being injured but it's this panic on him of like what the fuck have I done
3: Mm -hmm. she's Mm
1: -hmm. immediately snoring before she hits the ground and her entire face is smashed in because she's so small in comparison to these men and Severo is pushed into the boxes and hanging out there and knows at that point of like we've gone too far we've taken this too far uh and is kind of sitting in his own thing but then you that's when darrow says like what am i missing what what was he saying about victra and i think the hurt of Several believing that Victor was on the call and didn't want to talk to him.
3: Mm -hmm. And, like,
1: that anxiety of my wife is avoiding me and, like, it's not spelled out. And it's funny because I do remember someone in the den saying, uh, thinking that Victor was there, and I don't think she was. I don't think that is Victor's move. I think Victor truly could not communicate with him. But he truly believes that she's avoiding him because he wasn't there Uh, and the hurt that comes from that. And Darrow, unfortunately being the last person to learn, but then is able to take that and be like, Hey, I love you. I love your wife. I love your kids more than anything in the world. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, going through the goblin versus several, which I think is an ongoing theme in all of this of Mustang versus Virginia, Reaper versus Darrow, Goblin versus Several. Like it's a big all of them having two personalities.
2: Adrius versus uh Jackal Um Atlas like- versus <laughs> the All Father, Fa versus Wagner. Yes. So like they're from versus the Front that he presents, yeah, like a lot of them have multiple faces that they wear very mm-hmm. purposefully. Yep.
1: Crescent, what were you gonna say?
0: Oh, I was gonna say, Adria's I think is the only one that doesn't fit that. He's very much like
1: he's taken on the jackal his full life. I would say.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's. Oh,
1: I don't know. I feel like Adria's bears a
2: lot of daddy issue wounds. And like I I viewed him in the first books as pretty sympathetic, especially towards the end. Yeah. He he felt very now I don't know about Abominadrius, Adrius. Dunno. Yeah. I I felt differently yeah, I about Adrias like,
0: Adrius. Yeah. I mean like yes, he was he definitely had his his daddy issues. But like he he definitely leaned more into the the jackal right mm-hmm. where at, like my yeah. how does my greatest enemy know me than know me better than any of my friends like i've never been given anything of my own like i've got this this jackal scepter
2: yeah um it's almost like like, like adrius willingly chose the jackal whereas all these other people we uh, were forced into their other one. role. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Tracking. So,
1: interesting. I mean, like, Mustang it, he is definitely one... does
0: have the two sides, yeah, but.
1: For sure. I would say, though, Mustang is the interesting one that being Mustang is, I would say, the wife and mother. Being Virginia is the one, for, quote unquote, forced into that role. It is the job to be Virginia. It is the family yeah. life that is Mustang. She is the one that reverses it. The rest of them mm-hmm. Darrow yeah. is the friend and father. Reaper is the warlord.
3: Mm-hmm. Sevro
1: yeah. is the friend and father. Goblin is this thing of nightmares.
2: <laughs> Badger is the is the Archimper Gray. Mormy name, which shall not be used yeah. here, is the mother. <laughs> Yeah. I, what about, I, what about you guys? Have we, have we all diverged? Yeah. I think
1: so. Like yeah, I pretty think much. when I am being skipper, I am like, you see me in the den. I am there. I am turned on whatever. But when I am normally named, I actually have a lot of social anxiety and normally would not put myself like this would be being like, Oh, I'm taking up too much space. But as skipper, I can use my voice. I can talk. I can do whatever. Like Skipper is like Normie name would not have done at HowlerCon how I did. I Mm -hmm. would have had so many more drawbacks, but Skipper could be the one who is standing on chairs and yelling and doing all of that. So 100% there is kind of a, I, I think anyone who gets into these, roles and a lot of people online will see that of who you are online versus in real life and you know who you are at your job versus real life like pierce got to meet normie name at work where i had to be a professional and i had to do this and then the next night i'm the next night i think at that point was still normie name because i was with jabs who was not yet in the den so So not yet jabs was Jabs, <laughs> So we were normie name, but like social normie name. And then he got to see Skipper, who was this like, I don't know, I would never have worn a shirt with that many holes in it with pants with that many holes in it as normie name. That was a t- true Skipper thing. So 100 percent, I think everyone when you end up with these, you know, and it doesn't have to be a name change, but work versus home. Right? Like, it's a total change, but our characters in this are two different dichotomies. Crescent, Mm -hmm. I've seen you as normie name where I had to be like, who the fuck is that the whole time? Do your
2: work work people know that you're in a nerdy book club? Are you one of the the other guys? Me? Yeah, because I think there's a subset of guys. Some of them know. Okay. Because like TR... None of his guy friends, oh, I think he might have just got, I think he just got outed by his fiance, but up until like last week, none of his like guy friends that he goes plays basketball with or whatever, like they know. And I know like <laughs> P- pillars friends don't know that he is in a nerdy book club and I'm curious about like
0: how many other, Oh uh, yeah, no, most, Crescent, most of my friends, friends
1: are in the den. We got, yeah, that's, that's, true. Like, <laughs> that's true. A
0: lot of my very, very good friends are in the den. Carol. Um,
1: uh, yeah, they're all in the den. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I don't know. I I don't think I'm that different as Crescent versus Normie name.
2: Yeah, I don't think I am that different either. But there are mantles within, like there are things within that come into ascendancy in the den.
4: And I yeah. think that's mm-hmm. probably. I
2: mean, that's kind of true of like Mustang too. Mustang is never fully not herself, right? but there are things that get ramped up in certain roles
1: for sure. And that's me as well. Like that's, you know, I'm always dying to be the center of attention, but in the den, I take that center of attention versus in the rest of my life. I take Mm -hmm. a step back. Um, yeah. Which is now an interesting how many people I've met from the den in real life in like going to visit Crescent of like, retracting into myself of like how much am i talking and taking up space or like a few other people that i now know and and more integral in their life of like where does this like you know skipper where does normie name fit into this which is always an interesting (laughs) thing but i think getting back to several um before we have to talk call my therapist on all of this
0: uh bring her on get her on the group call Wait,
1: where's, where's, um, Stinger? Stinger, get in here, Stinger. Um, my therapist's husband has read, Red Rising. So we're just waiting for her to read it. Uh, but back to several, I think people who have any work-life balance, but especially in these capacities where work is as intense and you're expected to be a certain thing, like. It makes sense that he can pull those two pieces apart. The problem is that he's losing his original self Mm -hmm. and he doesn't think Severo is needed.
2: I mean, when's the last time he was home too. I mean, he hasn't had a touchstone outside of other men who have uh, put the rising and the war effort up top above everything else you know for
3: sure
1: yeah it's a hard hard read but he needs to hear it he cassius needs to hear what was said and and several needs to hear what was said darrow i worked through his problems that he doesn't really have anything for someone to shove down his throat at the moment he'll just go yeah i know i'm working on
2: it yeah drowning man is what several calls him yeah Um, I recognize this (laughs) tendency in an argument with a person that you're really intimate with. Like you're holding back, you're holding back. And then somebody throws out like what you feel is like the the below the belt thing. And then the counter is like the nuclear option. Yeah. Which was Cassius's play here.
1: Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. But also, like, I get why Lyria told Cassius, but also, like, Lyria, don't yep. be that person. Well, and like like,
0: instantly she knows she fucked up, too.
1: Yeah. Oh, and that's where she ends up getting involved and then injured, because she's like, dear God, yep. he stepped over the line. It's like, Lyria, there's one thing about, it. Yeah, that like, did not feel good. Yeah. Like, I get it. You want to tell your best friend everything? But when your best friend is currently at, you know, at odds with somebody, you don't give them that tea. Like you're all stuck on a ship together. How do you think this is going to work
2: out? (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good point. Bad ship etiquette, Lyria. Yeah.
1: I always work under the assumption that everything I say will be said to whoever it is a significant other and their best friend so if i tell crescent anything i assume at all times the tower's gonna find out <laughs>
4: carol's <laughs> gonna
1: find out and mrs crescent's gonna find out like that's just how i operate but then what those people do with that information like i don't it's know uncontrollable.
0: it's yeah. uncontrollable yeah yeah exactly like
1: and like i don't know what is ta i've met ta- i've met mrs tower i don't think mrs tower is going to do anything but you have to look at it of like liria you have that information yeah you want to tell your bestie what is the bestie going to do with that information and, yeah. and giving it to cassius who is at odds with several. it's a bad mood but i also and is ultimately wants to talk about her trauma and that's part of her yeah. trauma yeah yeah it
2: happened to her 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 justification is probably like this happened to me yeah yeah slippery slope
1: yeah but yeah you always got to operate that everybody is also telling their significant other and best friends and that's how the whole world learns gossip guys
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, i can't
1: figure out why nobody knows who banksy is clearly somebody out there knows Clearly, somebody i had this discussion with somebody earlier this week is why that's in my frame of mind there's no way nobody knows who Banksy is. um but yeah but uh yeah and then you know we end with cassia or yeah cassius running lyria to the med bay
0: yeah. yeah no we we end with
1: oh we end with the Darrow
0: and Darrow's severo's conversation, conversation. yeah
2: Basically, <clears throat> keeping Severus from stepping out of an airlock.
0: Yeah, yeah offering it to, to him and, out, and then, and then, and then pulling like, it back. Video.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, and so they are headed to Sungrave, which we know is almost certain death, basically. But yeah, The heart the of that,
0: raw power.
1: The fact that we oh, have it might is. change that... Uh,
2: we get that Darrow quote in there too about the prisoner holding his own key, which is there's several philosophical uh callbacks to that. I can't remember the specific except that but I know that I have like an Eastern philosophy that tracks with certain concepts and I want to say that even in like uh like Western philosophy, like European philosophy, there's a couple of different people that touch and like Greek philosophers, I feel like that's at least been touched on progressively from east to west in philosophy over the ages of the prisoner holding his own key. but I thought that was a good way of calling out what's going on, especially as somebody who has himself been the willing participant of his own uh, lack of growth. In the past.
1: Yep. For sure.
2: He does know best because he did finally decide to move beyond that point.
1: Yeah.
3: Is that right. that
1: that's for that. this one? Anyone that's, else? That's it. Any comments, concerns, questions?
0: I have nope. I have concerns, but they're yeah. spoilers. Yeah, you can't <laughs> hear
1: them yet. Uh, well, we're back next week where this drops off. I guess we're heading to Sungrave. Thank you, Badger, for joining us. We don't get you again for Lightbringer, do we?
2: No, but I will find something yeah. to talk about, and I'll sign up on the sheet. <laughs>
1: Perfect, love it. Perfect, just fill in like it. I think it's like unlimited entries just like in the middle of the night be like ah oh, this and like throw it in there it'll be like great thanks
3: yeah. <laughs>
2: like, now that this one's out of my brain cache yeah. i will be co- cogitating on what could come next so
1: sure and then expect it, me oh
0: Ooh, nice
1: i still need an expect <laughs> me tattoo let's be serious
0: solid <laughs> references all uh, around
1: yeah everyone else listening uh, join the den, sign up for the episodes between Lightbringer and Dark Age, or Dark Age. Yes, we're going back to Lightbringer and
0: Red God. Yep. Thank
1: you very much. Um, we're past Red God, you know, throw it in there and we'll plan for 2026. It'll be fine. Uh, thank you, badger as always, for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. It's been great.
0: Don't forget hey, to y'all. like and subscribe.
1: Like and subscribe. Tell us if the thing lights up. Does it light wow. up when we say like and subscribe? Oh yeah, now you're not getting the thumbs up. No, nope, oh, now it's broken. Now we've broken it. No more like And this. I
2: never actually was giving a thumbs up. I was only just kind of having a thumb available. There it goes. Oh! There it is.
3: <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> Cracked it. Perfect. You can't do a solid thumbs up. You have to do a like a sliding adding. sliding thumb.
0: I like lighting though.
2: No, okay, Okay. whatever. Have a good night, everybody.
0: Inconsistent at best.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Bye, y'all. Beta, beta testing.
4: Thanks for listening to Fade to Obsidian, where Skipper and Crescent casually dissect the friendships, relationships, and those fade to black moments in the Red Rising saga. If you enjoy our chaos, please remember to like and subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. We are available on YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at Fade2Obsidian. And if you'd like behind-the-scenes content or to be involved firsthand in our chaotic decisions, subscribe to our Patreon for as little as $2 a month. For $5, you'll receive a monthly postcard from Crescent. Will it be one of the ones that we accidentally stole from Tulsa? I'm so sorry, Copperless. And if you're crazy enough to trust Skipper with maybe sending you a postcard, our third tier is $100 a month please don't choose this option. Lastly, make sure to join the pack in The Howler's Den on Discord, discord.gg slash Den, where we talk all things Red Rising. Until next time, Omnisphere Lupus!